Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Guys don't talk to guys about guy problems. Gary Hoffman. Each other on the shoulders. Shannon Farron. Yeah, that woman's about as subtle as a rhinoceros horn up the backside. Gary and Shannon. Oh Lord, I'm here and I'm listening. Hey, welcome to this uh, Thursday. It's June 28th. A lot going on today. Shannon is actually out today and tomorrow. Probably sick. Probably. She doesn't tell me these things anymore. So uh, in in her place, but definitely not fitting the mold, is uh, Rich Murata. Hey! It's good to see you again. It's good to see you. Uh, Although when the station asked me to sub on this show today... They told me I was going to be subbing with Shannon, and I, so naturally oh. I accepted immediately. <laughs> I didn't know it was you, Hoffman. And then we finally pulled. I would the, have declined uh, the yeah. rug out from under you. Well, we go back a long time so, because right. you were here when I first came to KFI in two thousand four. Yeah. Right. So, and then what was that? Eleven years that we were on the morning show together. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that was a very long time, and we had a great time. The every single day we had a great time. Yes, we would sit in there in the separate studio, criticizing Handel through. For four hours, yeah, making fun of him, a lot of fun, <laughs> sharing stories that could never be shared on the air, etc. All right, so we're going to get into a lot of stuff today. Uh, the bottom of this hour, we've told you about this story out of Arizona. If you remember, uh, this uh, this guy that turned out to be a serial killer. The wife, this guy's ex-wife, knew that he was dangerous and trained for the day that he would eventually confront her, and uh, thankfully. That never happened. She she went on to actually marry a police detective, so that definitely helped in terms of uh, protection and learning what this guy was capable of. But it was a, a strange and terrorizing uh, final few days of that guy's life because he went and killed five other people. Oh. So, well, anyway, we'll talk about that. We also have a terror in the skies that we'll join uh, that we'll definitely talk about later this hour, where this guy's flesh eating disease. Caused such a horrific smell that other passengers were vomiting in the aisles. What is that? Flesh-eating disease. I don't... I've never seen anybody or smelled anybody. Don't smell it. Hey, look. uh, Melania is in Arizona. She's checking out another uh, detention center, migrant housing facility, etc. What does it say on her back? Anything? Nothing. This time she's uh, she's not wearing any (laughs) lettering of any kind. Yeah. Um, So anyway, she's in Arizona. We'll... uh, We'll keep on. I don't think there's going to be any big news coming out of that, but she's uh, she's definitely checking that out. Uh, locally, there is a story, of course, about the ten-year-old boy in Lancaster uh, who was killed. It appears, and now we know that sheriff's investigators have arrested the mother's boyfriend in that death. And there's a lot going into that because I guess the guy tried to kill himself. He's being treated for a for a uh, like self-inflicted laceration. They said. Yeah, but you know that's kind of a whole weird story that's emerging out of that thing, and I feel you know horrible about it. And of course, the end result is just awful and right. terrible. But now they're saying the kid didn't have cigarette burns on him, and he did not have the uh, uh, injuries that were 
that were, that were originally described. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it doesn't so it doesn't what, what wipe away the, the 16 calls no, to DCFS, not. but it is weird that that we would find that out. So all of that stuff, Swamp Watch. We have Tech Talk with Mark Saltzman. Some strange science stories, but we're going to start right where we ended the show yesterday, and that was with the uh, the announcement that uh, Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy is going to retire. And according to a couple of different, I don't know, call them sources, different attitudes, this could be a wild couple of weeks when it comes to Washington, D.C. I mean, partisanship that we haven't seen in a very long time. Because the president has a list. We've we've seen the list a couple of times. Is the original names. list of those 25 right. guys? Are still, yeah. I mean, or, scratch Neil women? Gorsuch yeah. off because uh, he's obviously on the court right now. Uh, and in terms of the precedent of one president being able to appoint two Supreme Court justices, everybody does it. George W. Bush did it. Bill Clinton did it. Barack Obama did it. So the idea that one president being able to appoint two justices uh, to you know wildly swing the politics of the court – I don't think it necessarily holds true, but I get it. I understand why people are concerned. Yeah, because but it's Kennedy within 18 was, months, don't forget, too. Yeah, yeah but still, months. I mean. It's, not, it's but, not an eight-year term here yet. It know? isn't. But but the, the idea, who, no one else is going to retire. I mean, Clarence Thomas could, because I think he's been on the longest. Well, Ruth Bader Ginsburg could retire, because she's like 150 years old. Yeah, but she but said she never, no, she won't while they would president. have to drag her kicking and screaming. Well, from, and not to be gruesome. She is 150. So, I mean, I don't know how long the window is open for uh, a Supreme Court justice. I know she keeps in shape and everything, and I don't wish right. any ill will right. on her. No, but no. but it could happen. I mean, she's 83, 85, something like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, uh, a gal's got to give it up at some point. That's why, you know, this Trump is turning Trump. <laughs> this guy Trump. <laughs> He's turning out to be. I think be... you mean the president? That yeah, guy? that guy. All right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> He's turning out to be. You know, for whatever you think about him, however much you detest him, a horrifically influential president. I mean, yeah. he's having influence all over the place with who's our enemies, who's our friends, uh, how he handles uh, immigration. I mean, and now how he handles the Supreme Court. It's he's hugely influential. Do you think here's my thing about what these issues that he's brought up and I'll use immigration as probably the uh, just an example of this. The zero tolerance policy that was put in place in April and the fallout from it and the reaction to it and these everybody taking notice about what what's really going on in the Rio Grande Valley where people are coming across the border. Right. To me, I think that's a positive thing, because if nothing else, more and more people know what's going on now, whether whether you think it's right to separate families or stop people at the border or you're an open border, whatever it is. Yeah. Just the fact that people have more information now than they did before. Yeah. Because, you know, we go through times in this country where uh, whether it's uh, poverty or or race relations or whatever sort of big issue has bedeviled this country at certain times. We'll go we'll go through periods where we don't really think about it. You know, and I think immigration is one of those things that even though he's made it sort of a priority in the administration without an actual flashpoint, within, without a, uh, a an actual on the ground controversy mm-hmm. kind of goes to, by the wayside. We don't think about it. Well, the huge light is shining right on it. The, right. the, the cameras of the world now are gathering and shining right on it. But what is happening, as far as I can see, is the polarization of the two sides. It's hardening on each side. And there, remember that middle part? No, <laughs> that middle I don't that remember there that. used to be <laughs> between the hard right and the hard left. 
There is no middle. There's no middle there. Well, and that I mean to go back to the Supreme Court issue. That's almost uh, exemplified by the votes that we've seen on the Supreme Court nominees. Those justices that have been approved. It used to be, you know, it used to be ninety-seven to nothing or ninety-eight to one or something like that in in favor of the Supreme Court justice, because the Senate gave so much deference to whoever it is that the president was going to pick. And now you're talking, you know. 58-42 or something like that, where it's a much closer, much more partisan vote. Well, before, you know, they pretty much uh, focused in terms of the confirmation on whether a guy really was qualified or a woman was qualified. Right. You know, in terms of their resume and what they'd studied and uh, but not on their political viewpoint, Um, with the exception of who was the guy that uh, with that Nixon uh, appointed. Um, Bork? But, yeah, Bork. They got, they, they, he got thrown, you know, overboard, yeah. you know. But um, but most of the time, it was who's qualified and if you are qualified. That almost doesn't seem to be the case now. Now yeah. it's the litmus test on, yeah, because, what, on each side. Because it's, everyone, I mean, there's 25 names that the president has out there on that list. They're all wildly qualified to take the sure, to take a course. seat on the Supreme of Court. Of course, yeah. It's just now going to boil down to politics. Yeah. So anyway, we'll talk more about this. And Rich- Kennedy was a legitimate swing man. I mean, because yes. he, he did side with liberals on some uh, on some of the issues. I saw an article today that said Kennedy was the Supreme Court justice who pissed off more people than anyone <laughs> else because he would he would he would make conservatives mad when right. he would vote with liberals. He would make liberals mad when he would vote with conservatives, and then people down the middle had no idea which way he was going to go. So anyway, we'll talk more about the politics of this. The Gary and Shannon Show. Rich Murata is in for uh, Shannon today, and we'll continue talking about what the Supreme Court might look like eh, six, eight months from now. Please don't Shannon, Rich Murata today in for Shannon. Bunch of stuff that we're going to be talking about today, including the 11 o'clock hour, the arrest of the mom's boyfriend in the death of little 10-year-old Anthony Avalos from up in Lancaster. Some of the original reporting on that uh, was apparently incorrect, according to Sheriff Jim McDonald. So we'll talk about that. And then in the, when we get into trending, do you remember that guy on the on the on the Road sign yesterday, road sign, I should say, climbed up on that freeway sign. Oh, yeah, with the uh, bullhorn? Yeah, you ain't popping unless you got haters, apparently. <laughs> and, he, and he's a wannabe, I shouldn't say wannabe, he's a rapper. Yeah. He wants a career, I guess, uh, as opposed to just making it a hobby. And I'm not going to tell you what his name is because he doesn't need the publicity. All right. It reminded me totally, though, of John Colbelt when John and Ken, when they'd go to places with the bullhorn, <laughs> he'd be standing out with the bullhorn. <laughs> Uh, we've been talking about Justice uh, Anthony Kennedy, uh, the California native who has decided that he is going to retire from the Supreme Court effective uh, the end of next month. And the discussion about whether or not by the time they are seated, first week of the first Monday in October, yeah, whether or not he will, uh, the next justice will be in his seat at that time. Well, Mitch McConnell says they will vote on it this fall. And, and. The Democrats, you know, I, in the Democratic leadership, I saw a lot of them yesterday and, and uh, this morning, are saying, we're going to fight this, we're going to fight it, and, you know, and, and we think that it should be the same rule. McConnell didn't allow for, uh, you know, Merrick Garland to uh, vote to come up. They wouldn't even interview him, talk to him, nothing right. in 2016. And now this is an election year, so they, we don't think that they, you know, that it should be uh, voted on until there's a new Congress in, in place. 
And, you know, really they're not equitable uh, stances because that was a presidential election. And I'm not saying McConnell was right. I think he was dead wrong. But, you know, his point is that was a lame duck president. Right. You know, and this is not, uh, you know, presidential year nor with a lame duck. So, so and, and you just reminded me because I said, you know, it's not unusual for a president to be able to appoint two justices to the Supreme right. Court. That would have been Obama's third yeah. justice to yeah. the Supreme Court. And McConnell just was not going to allow that, to, you know, to happen. Well, can they do anything? Dem- Democrats in the Senate can't do anything to prevent and, this. Honestly, Gary, I don't think they haven't, they're holding any cards. I don't th- see how they possibly could unless somehow they got, you know, uh, Jeff Flake or Corker or Murkowski or who's the other one? Uh, Susan Collins. Those are like the kind of the four or even a John McCain, you know, to swing to their side and then maybe something could maybe something could happen. You don't need the sixty vote thing any. any you know that would be interesting. Thing. You mentioned John McCain. Of course, he made uh, made the president pretty angry when, in the middle of the night, he did right. the thumbs down vote exactly. when it came to health care reform. Um, the uh, it would be interesting because McCain's been sick. I mean, he's been out um, for a long. Right. By the way, did you see that the documentary on John McCain? I, I have it was not. On HBO. No. Yeah, that was incredible. It's it was really incredibly good. Incredibly well done. Yeah. I mean, and the unfortunate part about it is they had to do these interviews and they kind of had to say, hey, uh, we know he's not dead, but you're going to talk about him like he's dead. So right. guys like Joe Lieberman and everything who were great friends with John McCain had to speak about their best friend almost as if he was dead and yeah. when he wasn't. So. But the truth is everybody would kind of like to hear their own eulogies. If possible. True. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be nice good, to hear right? the nice things before yeah. you go. Uh, but it would be an interesting visual to see John McCain in basically what would be. And I don't know if it would be, um, if it's even possible physically for him, but it would be interesting to see that as his last major, uh, I guess, legislative action to, yeah. to vote down whatever nominee that comes out of the yeah, president. Because, and, you know, what is probably going to happen, the polarization that we have in the country right now is probably going to really be expressed. I think it already is to a certain extent in the Supreme Court. You know, there's less and less where, you know, Kennedy was swinging the other way. Um, But now I think it's really going to be, you know, because he's going to appoint somebody that's more conservative and and less of a swing vote, I think, than Anthony Kennedy. But I don't know if I know that he has said that he wants to uh, he wants to appoint justices in the in the mold of Antonin Scalia. But Uh. but remember, this is a president who likes to keep score. And I think that he there, there's a there's a small part of me that thinks that maybe he wants to go for a unanimous vote in the Senate, you know, that he's going to pick somebody who is not in the mold of Antonin Scalia, who's not as conservative, but would be more acceptable by uh, acceptable to Democrats. And in that way, I mean, because Kennedy, I think, was the last one who had that 97 to nothing vote, if I'm not mistaken, because. He was sort of that middle of the road guy, and everybody was voting based on his, uh, on on basically right. his credentials, and not whether or not he was going to be swinging politically one way or the other. Yeah. Well, I'm looking for that small part of me that might uh, swing <laughs> along with you on that, and I'm really I can't just can't find it. <laughs> I can't find. It. I just I just don't think Trump cares about that. I, I you know I really don't. So yeah. so you're saying that he's just going to he. He's only going to go for the Antonin Scalia. Like he, if he were to, if he were to put this list of twenty-five names yep. on a on a spectrum 
from left to right, he's going to go as far right as he can and go from there. I Well, I don't know if as far right, but I think he's going to go f- certainly further right than than Kennedy. And there's nothing Democrats are going to be able to do about it. the Democrats are going to, you know, scream and yell bloody murder, and it's probably not going to matter because I just don't think they hold any cards. All right, we come back. We're going to be talking about this uh, story out of Arizona that we covered a couple of weeks ago, this guy who ended up killing six people. He, he was targeting his wife and she knew it and she basically had to prepare for what she expected was going to be that inevitable confrontation someday we'll talk about that uh, when we continue gary and shannon rich Murata in for shannon today gary and shannon uh next hour we're going to be talking about that uh, big decision from the Supreme Court yesterday, not not Anthony Kennedy's retirement decision, the decision about unions and whether or not they can charge non-members. Uh, we'll talk about that because California is uh, is home to a lot of giant unions, so this is going to cost them some big money. We'll talk about that next hour. Uh, Rich Murata is in for Shannon today. We, we spent some time talking about this case a couple of weeks ago, the case of Dwight Jones. 56-year-old guy who went on a four-day killing spree in Phoenix between May 31st and June 4th when he eventually killed himself. Uh, Police were closing in on him. The majority of his victims were people who had clear connections to his divorce case with his wife, Connie Jones. So they knew something was going on with a serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. And they knew, she knew that this guy had threatened her multiple times. Um, one of the victims and one of the reasons that it sort of rose to everyone's attention right away was one of the victims in the case was a uh, forensic psychiatrist. He had he had testified against Dwight Jones in court. But the guy was really made a name for himself in the JonBenet Ramsey case from way back when, from 96, I think, 95. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that guy was still working as a forensic psychiatrist and testified against Dwight Jones. There were a couple of paralegals who worked for the law office that represented the wife in the divorce, uh, a marriage and divorce counselor who was apparently targeted. That was mistaken identity, but they believed there was a connection to the case. And then an elderly couple that he used to play tennis with. Just, I mean, a bizarre, obvious psychotic break in this guy. Well, was anybody tipping off people that, you know, hey, look out or get some security? Or well, I th- If I remember right, it was the paralegals who were first targeted, and there was concern after that that basically anytime you do – I would assume anytime a crime is committed against somebody who works in a divorce uh, attorney's office, the divorce attorney is going to say, uh, by the way, guys, we might want to start scrounging right. through our records right. about somebody who might be violent. Um, Connie uh, has done an interview with Dateline, and she talked about the measures, the safety measures that she had to protect. She had to take uh, after she got a protective order against this guy, and then it expired five years ago. And she said, "This this whole Dateline thing is going to be on tonight, which is going to be fascinating." She said that her husband would tell her he was going to wait until her defenses were down, and then he would get me. And she described it as having her own personal terrorist. Hunting whoa, her down. Whoa. Yeah. So she hires a, uh, a retired Phoenix police detective to do surveillance on this guy and actually figure out, is he really a threat to me and my son or their son? I guess it was uh, 21 at the time. 
uh, or a teenager at the time, but he's now 21. I just wonder if pol- regular police, not some private policeman or ex-policeman, you know, if regular police being alerted to this situation would be providing some protection. Yeah, but I mean, how many, there's got to be, in, in the Phoenix metropolitan area, there's probably a couple thousand people who say my ex-husband, my ex-wife is out to get me, my ex-boyfriend, uh, something like that. So they can't do everything. So anyway, she hires this this former police detective. They eventually get married. Which is great, great for them. But so they eventually get married. Oh, wait a minute! But this uh, this retired detective teaches Connie how to use a gun, just in case the ex husband comes back around. She had um, she had a team that was constantly watching over her and her son that the uh, police detective helped put together. And and it, it, just listen to this life, though. I mean, this lifestyle about living scared the entire time. She would. She would go to multiple safe houses. Like, she would sleep in different places with her kid. Oh, man, this so is that, a nightmare. Yeah, so that he didn't know where he was. They would go to different grocery stores. They didn't have a favorite grocery store like you or I would because we're not afraid that our exes are going to come after us. They would use rental cars to get around town on a regular basis and switch them up so that it was never obvious where she was. And then on the way to work, drive to work different ways every day. Man, you know, eight, ten different routes to work just so this guy isn't going to hunt you down. And she said um, she had full she had people full time. Guarding the school where her son went to school, I have no idea how much money this would cost. I just think moving might be a good option in in a case like this, except he might follow. But I mean, I've always wondered that. I mean, what what would it take to get somebody to move out of a place that they've been for a long time? Well, especially being terrorized like this, though. Come on. Yeah. Um, she said uh, that she would have to be hyper vigilant, and you don't get to just say, "Hey, let's go to the movies." The detective says you got to scan the parking lot. You got to be aware of any social media that's being posted that might explain where you're going. And the retired detective was the one who actually tipped off police about this guy's role in the killing spree because it was the retired detective now the husband of the uh, ex-wife who was putting together the connection between the victims so imagine if this guy he knows dwight jones and he knows he's capable of murder and then you start seeing these random and seemingly random violent acts committed against these people and recognizing the names hey wait a minute that's the guy that's the guy who testified in the divorce case. Right. Hey, wait a minute. Those paralegals work for this law firm. They represented my wife in her previous divorce. So it's this retired detective who's the one who's putting these pieces together. This is for sure going to show up like on Forensic Files or D- one of those shows. Dateline NBC tonight. Yeah. That's where she did her interviews. They're going to do the whole thing? The oh, whole man. thing. Um, Dr. Stephen Pitt was the one who had evaluated uh, Dwight Jones and testified eight years ago that he had anxiety and mood disorders and symptoms of a paranoid personality. This is eight years after the guy testified that he ends up being killed by the guy he testified against. So it wasn't one little thing that kind of tipped the uh, scale and uh, the police went out and got got him. It was just this uh, accumulation that this other, the, uh, his, her police protector figured it out. Yeah. But what I, what I'm most interested in is what takes what pushed this guy over the edge eight years after their divorce? You know, what what was it that that caused him at that point to say, okay, today's the day I'm going to make him, I'm going to make things right? Yeah. I guess in his mind, he thought he was making well, things right. Listen, 
Divorce can cause a lot of obsession. You know, I'm a... <laughs> How do you know? Not, well, you know, I'm kind of going through a thing. A thing? Uh, but, yeah, I'm not killing anybody. No. Well, eight <laughs> but, years uh, from now, give me a call and we'll see how things are going. You can't be obsessed, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that. Now, she and her husband, Connie and her husband, were uh, away on vacation when she got the news of her killings, when she got the news that this guy's uh, eventually taken his own life to, as well. But even that's got to be, even that's got to be a weird existence because, again, since 2013, when the protection order expired against this guy, she's had to live for five years in this, uh, under the threat that this guy was always looming, that he always would know where she was, and that's, I mean, she had to change her lifestyle as yeah. a result of this, and then for that to be gone, all of a sudden, what a, oh man, just a, I don't know, relief, I mean, the sense of relief has just got to be overwhelming. So anyway, that's a. Uh, it's that story is over, thankfully, but it's going to be on uh, Dateline tonight. Now, every once in a while, we get to do terror in the skies. I don't know if you've heard us do terror in the skies because flying can be one of the worst experiences for people. Can I mean, be. It can be the worst day of your life. Yeah. And for one guy, it was uh, basically the end of his life and the worst plane story that all these other people are going to have. Is this worse than sitting next to a woman with too much perfume on? I would say it is. Next to that screaming little kid? I would say it is. Wow. But I'll let you be the judge when we come back and do Terror in the Skies. Rich Murata in for Shannon today on the Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon. Rich Murata is in for a Shannon. Claudia writes in, love, love, love hearing Rich Murata. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, Claudia is the thank fan. You, Claudia. All right. She's the one. I'm looking um, for her. <laughs> we're going <laughs> to talk about... Um, oh, sorry I bled on your couch yesterday, by the way. Oh, hey, no big deal. Yeah. You were not the first to uh, expend bodily fluids onto that couch. <laughs> I'm certain oh, wow. of it, so that's why we had to get Yikes. rid of it. That was just over the top. It was, yeah, all of a sudden the, the uh, couch was missing. By the way, I walked in there. Rumor is, it's not gone. I, oh. I can't. I don't know if I can say disclose where it went, but the rumor is it's not out of the building. Even really? though somebody, so somebody wanted that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, which makes it I even scraped worse. my arm and I bled all over one yeah. of the arms of we the We were couch. just rubbing it all over ourselves. <laughs> it was it was in the hallway. It was and then when you got up, I mean I didn't even notice you were sitting on the couch for ten minutes or so yeah. chit chatting with us. And then some I think Shannon said, Is that blood? And it was just a dark I heard it's a said, red couch a anyway. Oh yeah. And then I said, because I you know, I dipped into my uh, CSI <laughs> uh, format. And I picked up a piece of white paper, printer paper, that hadn't been printed on. And I placed it on the couch. And then I just dabbed very lightly with my fingers from the top and held it up. And it was red. It was clearly blood. And everybody went, ah! <laughs> I know. Well, I left your office. I walked down to producer Michelle's office. And I was sitting in there for like 10 minutes. And she goes, do you realize that you've got blood all over your arm? <laughs> and it was I a little, down. it was, was a tiny little scratch. I was horrified. Are you on blood thinners? You know, I am. Because I oh, had that okay. heart well, that attack. Makes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That makes sense. Then. Oh, it does? Yes. Oh, totally. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My dad also is on uh, blood thinners. He'll bleed any uh, 
Oh, you'll man. bleed if you that sneeze. That makes on sense it. then. Yeah. Yeah. I All thought right. I had a mysterious flesh-eating disease. It's no. It's time for terror in the skies. <laughs> Great segue. Flight two zero nine. You are cleared for takeoff. Roger. Get off my plane. Roger. Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey-fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. All right. Uh... I don't. I know you're a big music fan, but have you ever heard of Andre Suchlin? I have not. Uh, he's a, he's big in the Russian uh, guitar world, apparently. Russian uh, rock star Andre Suchlin suffered an infection while he was on the Canary Islands uh, on vacation last month. So he gets on a flight to Amsterdam on his way home to get uh, treatment for whatever ailed him. Yes. Um, his flesh was rotting. What do you mean? Severe tissue necrosis. What the hell is that? I've it, never heard of that. What? It's rotting flesh disease. It's a bacteria, if I'm not mistaken, that will just basically eat away every part of you. Skin, muscle, bone, organ, it whatever. It eats away from the inside or something? I think from the outside from in. From the outside? Yeah. So the And you can imagine uh, rotting flesh is never a pleasant smell. No. Uh Unless you rot it very quickly, which is called cooking, and then it's wonderful. But in the case of, of Andre, his the smell from his rotting flesh was so bad that other passengers were fainting and vomiting. Not necessarily not funny, in that order. But I mean, it, what do you mean it's not funny? It's hilarious because it didn't happen to you. Well, how, did, how does somebody get on the plane, though? With that, I mean, they allow that, him on the plane? That I don't know, because I would imagine there's at some point where even you're just sitting around at the gate waiting to board, yeah. and somebody goes... That smell. You're giving you the guy, your uh, the the agent, your your boarding pass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the tragic, and this is from uh, he, he wrote on Facebook after his emergency landing. He eventually died fr- from this flesh eating oh. bacteria. But he wrote on Facebook after they made an emergency landing uh, in I think it was Portugal. It says the tragic and comic uh, comic component of this whole situation is. That I caught a disease, which, let's not say how and why, makes a person quite stinky. As a result, a group of passengers may demand the captain for you to be removed from the plane. Now, there was a point where he was sitting, let's assume he's sitting in row seven, I don't know, and uh, the the people around him in row six, five, and the rest of row seven are vomiting and fainting, (laughs) and he's the only one who's not. They take him out. To the back of the plane, and they put him in one of the bathrooms. They put him in the lavatory to try to, I guess, clean him up. Like, no, I get guess rid of the smell, just or to just... put the smell to to isolate him, it huh? from okay. from everyone else. And that doesn't do it. It doesn't finish the job because everyone now. And here's the other part about it. Let's say he's in row seven, and they walk him all the way to the back of the plane and put him in a lavatory. Now everyone on the plane smells <laughs> this guy and vomits. <laughs> Sounds like it's right out of the airplane movie. So they uh, they end up landing in Portugal. He goes straight to the hospital. He has to undergo multiple surgeries to try to combat the tissue necrosis. But his uh, his health continued to deteriorate. He fell into a coma, and he ended up oh, dying oh, of organ oh, failure this, that is this last horrible. month. horrible. What the hell is that? Do you catch that from somebody? Uh, I don't know where you get uh, necrotizing fasciitis or uh, tissue <laughs> necrosis. I just can't imagine the idea of someone alive but rotting at the same time. So you're sitting there looking at your arm. 
and it's just rotting away. Pieces of your arm are falling off. Maybe it's maybe it's like uh, fast leprosy or something. Oh, mm. you better you better get that scratch checked. <laughs> Listen, it's not bleeding, and there's no smell pieces it. of my arm. Smell it. I it just has wanna... no smell. All right. That's... No, I don't want any uh, like red jelly squirting out of it. <laughs> All right. When we come back, uh, we're going to series it up a little bit locally. The uh, the story about sheriff's investigators that have arrested somebody finally in the death of uh, young 10-year-old Anthony Avalos. That story is up next on Gary and Shannon. You watch me bleed until I can't Rich Marana is in today. Uh, somebody on Facebook said, uh, thanks for bringing Rich in. I love Rich. Oh, what they said. was that a female? I don't know. No. Hard, to, hard to tell it on does Facebook make a anymore. <laughs> to me, the recipient. <laughs> um, we, uh, at the bottom of this hour, are going to get into this story about the, uh, the Supreme Court decision yesterday about unions, about whether or not they can charge non-members basically what would amount to dues and why that's going to be such a big deal here in California. We'll do that at the bottom of the hour. Also, the big stories of the day that we've been covering, including the fight over who will become the next Supreme Court justice uh, as soon as we find out who the president is going to nominate, how this is going to play out in the Senate, because Democrats are, are I guess, vowing to delay the vote, but they there's no real, I don't think they can. I, don't see... I think their hands are tied. They're going to scream bloody murder. For for the next three months. And that's it. It's just going to be a bunch of noise yeah. at that point. Uh, the other thing is that's going on right now is the House Judiciary Committee is uh, having a conversation of sorts, I guess you could say, with the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and the uh, Director of the FBI, Christopher Wray. It is not going well for either one of those guys. They're getting blasted right now for not having turned over documents. In fact, the, uh, the House earlier today voted uh, basically a a big fat warning to uh, Rod Rosenstein and Christopher Ray that if they don't turn over documents within seven days, they will be either subpoenaed or impeached depending on how it goes. And, you know, at night they got to be thinking, I could have had any job. I know. <laughs> I, could be, I could be head of the FBI office in Nebraska, and I'm instead... Uh, all right. the, uh, the headache. The story that we have, uh, we've seen last week... Over the course of this last week has been very, very frustrating. And this is the Department of Children and Family Services and the way they handled the case of 10-year-old Anthony Avalos, who ended up dying hours after his mom called 911 to say that he had fallen from a staircase or a balcony or something like that. And despite the reports from the mother, the investigators who showed up immediately said this boy's death was suspicious. So after, the, after Anthony dies, sheriff's investigators start interviewing family members and others who are in the home, including mom's boyfriend, 32-year-old guy named Kareem Leva, who has been associated with MS-13, has had some problems with crime in the past. Uh, when they brought him in to the sheriff's station there in Lancaster, he made statements that led them to believe that he could be a suspect. Here's, uh, here's Sheriff Jim McDonald talking about the case. Have you suspect Leva made statements that led detectives to arrest him for the murder of Anthony Avalos? 
During the interview, investigators realized that suspect Leva had suffered prior medical injuries that required medical attention. He will be booked at Lancaster Station with a $2 million bail after he's medically cleared. Couple. Homicide Bureau and Special Victims Bureau are working close. A couple of things that, that, that the sheriff said yesterday that cleaned up, I guess you could say, some of the reporting that had been done before is some family members had been telling us that the boy was targeted for abuse because he came out at the age of 10. He, oh, listen, he that told was, somebody that he liked boys. Yeah, and that was big headlines in these stories. That was headlines. Boy, 10-year-old boy came out and making it look as though that is the reason he was killed right. by this guy, and according, allegedly. According to the sheriff, he says that has not come up in our investigation. That's not to say that it won't. But you got to imagine the sheriff's department is doing a, uh, uh, has interviewed a lot of people, including family members, who would have said that to yeah. the media. They've already talked. There well, will be more interviews, et cetera. So well, they're walking back. So they walk that back, uh, yeah. Gary. But they've also been walking back the thing of you know people claiming that he had cigarette burns and that he had a bunch of other injuries, which the uh, police chief said that's been grossly overstated. Yeah. My question is, well, well, then where did that stuff come from? Well, it it depends, because it can come from previous reports. The thing we know about this case, and the thing that is the most frustrating, aggravating, and terrifying, perhaps, if you have somebody who works at DCFS, is that there were at least eight investigations into this home. 16 calls, eight Uh investigations into this home specifically of substantiated physical abuse and neglect, including physical abuse by mom. There were bruises on the child. There was some denial of food. There were signs that Anthony had been severely beaten. There were signs that he uh, was malnourished, according. And again, this is according to the DCFS director, Bobby Cagle. Uh, And he said that there were instances of what they describe inappropriate discipline. I don't know why they call it that and not abuse, but they say it's inappropriate discipline. Having a kid crouched uh, in a crouched position that was very uncomfortable for an extended period of time. And according to DCFS, they substantiated allegations that Anthony had been sexually abused by a male what? relative. Oh, man. But a male relative. So how does he? Not Kareem Leva, not the guy who's on uh, right now on uh, in charged with his murder. All right. So somebody makes the decision that despite all of this stuff that you're saying now is substantiated. Yes. How does the kid remain in the home? Okay, well, Who's first of responsible all, for that? Exactly. I don't know, but they said at one point, I think it was twice actually, they put mom in something called, oh man, I want to get this right, family intervention or family, ma- family maintenance. That's what it was, family maintenance, where someone goes to class to learn how to keep the family, not how to not beat your kids. Yeah. I don't understand how what the class is. It's a class in parenting. And if you go one time and it doesn't take, what what makes them think you go twice and that somehow the light bulb is going to switch on in this woman's brain? Uh, Bobby Cagle is new to Department of Children and Family Services. Bobby Cagle has only come in uh, since the uh, Gabriel Fernandez death in Palmdale, which unfortunately has such similar circumstances of repeated calls to DCFS, to the Sheriff's Department, repeated calls of neglect and child abuse, and then we end up with a dead child. Man, what a, this, what a nightmare. You know, what a nightmare. What? I, gotta, I have so to say, the, the, one of the frustrating parts about this for me is watching the lack of outrage on behalf of the county. 
It's the county supervisors that oversee the Department of Children and Family Services. And they were so careful in the first, I don't know, 48, 72 hours about this, when the death of a 10-year-old boy who had been repeatedly the subject of phone calls and alerts to the Sheriff's Department and Department of Children and Family Services, the death of that boy lies squarely on the shoulders of obviously the guy who did it, but the people who let him remain in that home in harm's way. Yeah, in a sense, that's kind of a negligent homicide. Why is it Why is that? that, I know that Catherine Barger came out and said that she was outraged at Anthony's death, and she didn't single out any county agency. She said it was, she says it was a failure across the board. No, 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 no. If, If you say it's a failure across the board, then every one of those five county supervisors is also on the hook for this. Because if you want to spread out the blame like that, then you're taking away the responsibility of the Department of Children and Family Services. Completely unfathomable. And how? So the boyfriend is arrested. The boyfriend has been arrested. Mom's, and what about the Mom's mother? Boyfriend. She's not been arrested. That's not to say she won't be, but she hasn't been arrested yet. Well, why not? I don't know. I mean, she's got to be part of this, right? And remember, she's the one who called nine one one. Even if she's sitting there. If the kid is malnourished, yes, ne- she's got to be part of it. At yeah. least neglect. Uh, but it, it hasn't happened as of yet. Um, the Gabriel Fernandez case, the mom's boyfriend, was sentenced to death, and the mom was sentenced to, the, to spend the rest of her life in prison. So the the thing I think is uh, to remember here, this isn't – there were teachers, school administrators, who were concerned about Anthony's treatment at home, but they're not the only ones who called DCFS. Mom's own sisters were calling because they knew that their sister's kids were in trouble. The aunt repeatedly said that Anthony didn't want to go home. And she would call, she on her own would call to report her own sister for potentially abusing her son. This is unfathomable. It's just uh, inconceivable. Now, when they go each time, they have to interview the kid, right? They have to, they have to take the kid. And ask them what's going on, right? Uh, I, you know, I don't know the policy on that. I mean, but I do know that if you have an allegation of physical abuse, that you at least you do a home visit. I mean, you you set eyes on what's going on inside the house. But I don't know if you if you sanction the kid or you you know quarantine the kid and ask him questions by himself. But terrifying. It's a terrifying thing that we in 2018 can have this many contacts with the county, with whatever. And even if you've got 35,000 kids in the L.A. County foster care system, not all of them have a dozen-plus calls to DCFS about abuse. So, anyway. This this, kid was a a biological child, though, not not a foster child. I believe it was her biological child, but but he's one of, I think, six kids who were in the home. Yeah. Uh, A mixture of her biological kids and some of his, et cetera. So, uh, anyway. We come back. We're going to talk about uh, why it is that the county, why we have so many giant legal payouts. It must be nice to be on the receiving end of a $4.35 million payout for something from the city. I want that. You want that from the like a big sweepstakes From check? the city or from you or me, your wife? Anything. Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. Gary and Shannon will continue. Rich Murata sitting in for, uh, for Shannon today.
Gary and Shannon. Rich Moranis in for Shannon today. Uh, I found this old this old piece of sound. If you will indulge me for just a second. Uh, and Rich, I told you what this was um, because I distinctly remember. <laughs> I don't remember the exact details of the story, but I remember what you were doing at the time. Uh-huh. This is this is my favorite Rich Murata reaction. From a previous stint. Here from a previous lifetime, yes. Uh, uh, oh, oh, God. Oh, oh, <laughs> whoa, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, <laughs> no way. Whoa. No. Oh, yeah. I, uh... Yeah. So just imagine, if you will, <laughs> flaccid target. No. Well, well yes, I guess it, that kind of well. was. But imagine, if you will, uh, just a beautiful woman <laughs> and uh in full makeup, like yes. everything is done up, right? And the story, I don't remember why the video came to us, but there was a video. And it was this woman who starts uh, disrobing. And that's why, that's why Rich starts out like this. Uh, uh, oh, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but but the, uh, oh. the kicker in it was that that was not entirely uh, a woman. And when uh, all of it came off, well, oh, <laughs> no way. Yeah. <laughs> Could you pinpoint the exact uh, moment when I, when what I a saw wiener. that? <laughs> it was amazing. Oh. I My think, three balls. Yeah. I think you watched oh. that seven times. <laughs> and the reaction got better every single time. Oh, anyway. well, uh, so thank anyway, you for reviving. Rich Murata has joined us sitting in for Shannon today. We, uh, we, uh. <laughs> Uh, at 12.30, when we get into Swamp Watch, we're going to talk a lot more about this fight over who will become the next Supreme Court nominee. And also, uh, big news about the president finally setting on a meeting date with uh, Vladimir Putin, July 16th, Helsinki, Finland. So we'll talk about that. Um, L.A. City has been slammed with some costs for legal payouts. And uh, the L.A. Times did this great graphic about how much the city of L.A. has lost in these legal payouts in the last year and in 2017 it was it was over 200 million dollars so if you figure you know you're 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 given out what is that 66 million dollars a day basically that the city of uh sorry six million dollars a day that the city of los angeles was paying out to settle lawsuits well what, what are they paying for all right good question if you've got a telephone tax that you were illegally charging the city, uh, the people of the city of Los Angeles, you're going to pay $45 million. I mean, it sounds almost like a monopoly game, like you're the mayor and then you get these cards. You've been illegally charging the city taxpayers a telephone tax, which probably dated back to Alexander Graham Bell. Uh-huh. $45 million, that's what your payout was. Uh, a motorcyclist was killed in a uh, uh, intersection in San Pedro. Um, $23 million to pay out to the family. Is there anything like, uh, say, uh, you know, a police uh, officer shoots somebody, you know, burst into a house, they think it's a drug deal, and they shoot the kid or whatever? And the... Yes, those those are common. In fact, the, the LAPD, the payouts 
by the LAPD accounted for the largest percentage of really? that money at 42 percent. Wow. But it, but again, it, and it's not just I mean, it's not just the and that's quietly thing. done. Right. I mean, like behind well, the scenes, very quietly done. I, I, I wouldn't mean, say quietly. It's it's quieter than if it would have gone to trial. How's that? But it's not necessarily quiet. We get because it has to be on the city council agenda. We all know when it's going to be done. We may not necessarily know all the details of the legal machinations that went into the agreement, but but we know how much money was settled and how much money went out. Um, the Department of Transportation does it for potholes and things like that. If you the the forty percent of the total, forty two percent of the total, uh, includes twenty four million dollars paid to a couple of guys who were freed after they spent decades in prison, wrongfully imprisoned. Oh, there were lawsuits over arrests. There I were didn't know that those people got money. Over injuries, car crashes. Well, in some cases, they're guaranteed money. And in other cases, they can then file suit against the investigators or the investigative agency and and, um, and get paid out that way. And I'll tell you what else I didn't know, that you could get money because of potholes. Because I've had cars screwed up because of potholes, and I never knew you could get some money from this. Yeah. Is there a statute of limitations? <laughs> <on>? <laughs> I don't know if there's a statute of limitations. My biggest, I, I actually sat in, I was a, as an alternate juror one time on a case against the city of Los Angeles. And it was a case of a, a dump truck working for the city that pulled out in front of an off-duty officer. He was, it didn't matter that he was an off-duty officer. He was a retired police officer, actually working security for a movie set at one point. So he was in full uniform riding... Uh, what what was an LAPD motorcycle because he was a still still allowed to do that in the conditions of his retirement mm-hmm. and working the security oh. job that he was working. But the contractor in the dump truck was just – he was messed up. He pulled out – he made the wrong choice, pulled out into an intersection. The police officer hits the truck on his motorcycle and is gravely injured. A traumatic brain injury, life-altering. He's going to need 24-hour care for the rest of his life. And he was, at that time, I think he was in his early 60s when the accident happened. So the, the he's suing the city for millions of dollars for care for the rest of his life. The attorney that the city hired, not working for the city attorney's office, but a, an outside attorney that the city hired, was such a buffoon, was such an idiot, was so condescending, really? was so dismissive of this guy. Condescending? In a case like you, that? It was so bad. So dismissive of this guy, of his uh, his family. His One of his daughters gets up there, a grown daughter. She gets up there and describes about the loss of her father. He's not dead, but, I mean, he's not the same, that he, exactly, not the same yeah. guy he was. And she's in tears and just barely holding it together. She was a brilliant witness on the plaintiff's part. He gets up there. And continues, uh, just berates her for crying and just, oh, you're just adding on and your dad's fine. I mean, it was the worst, it was the worst handled case I've ever seen. And I've sat through dozens of cases in court. I've never seen a guy do this. They awarded this, the the dad, they awarded him, I think, $16 million. And he was only asking for 12 or 11 or something like that. They awarded $16 million because they gave him all these punitive damages as well. It had to be because of that attorney. Did you get to attend the uh, juror deliberations in that? No. Because that must have been like a quickie. Yes. You know. It was, uh, It was. I think, four hours total because we, we, they finished one <laughs> afternoon and then the next morning they came back. It was uh, very quick. Very, very quick. Anyway, uh, coming back. 
the court case from yesterday from the Supreme Court about the unions and whether or not they can collect money from non-members, we'll talk about that because California is really probably going to be ground zero when it comes to the loss of millions of dollars for these unions. Just turn my microphone on. Well, ah! Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon. Gary and Shannon. Uh, Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon today. I think uh, Brian Suits actually in for John and Ken a little bit later this afternoon. So, uh, you ain't popping unless you've got haters. If you haven't heard that line yet, it's in reference to that guy who climbed up on the freeway sign yesterday. Is that from a rap, actually? No, no, no. That was his agent explaining why you have to have a reputation. Oh. Which is what I said to uh, to our boss when she came in here earlier complaining about the negative emails that she's been getting about our show. And I said, hey, 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 you ain't popping unless you got haters. There you go, yeah. And she went, you know you're right. So I win that one. Uh, haters gonna hate. <laughs> yesterday, the uh, Supreme Court came down with its decision um, that said that public employee unions cannot collect so-called fair share fees. So, the idea is, if you are in a public employee union, like, let's just use as an example the California Teachers Association, the and you don't want to be in the union, they still charge you what is called fair share fees because the argument is you still benefit from all of the negotiations that the California Teachers Association does uh-huh. on a teacher's behalf. In most cases, uh, it's not necessarily full union dues, but it's a pretty hefty percentage, somewhere over 70% and usually more in the 90% range. But this decision from yesterday by the Supreme Court says no more. Public employee unions cannot collect these fair share fees. And... They will face this drawn-out battle, the unions will, with anti-labor organizations that are trying to pick off these paying members with campaigns to encourage you, hey, save your money, the union's not doing anything for you. If you look at it right now, the numbers show that as of this week, about 27% of state employees, because they're all in unions, about 27% of state employees and two-fifths it's two-fifths, 40%. That's 40%. 40% of CSU employees pay fair share fees, which means they don't actually belong to the unions that represent them, but they are charged a fee because they would benefit from the representation that the union offers them. Affords. And what percentage of state employees actually work are actually union employees? I think just about everyone. Everyone? Just about everyone is a union employee, yes. Really? Yeah. So... But if you look at the numbers, so 27% of state employees, that would be 47,000 state workers who right now are paying the union but don't want to be a part of the union. And I say the union. There's multiple. But they're, they don't want to be part of the union. And now so, they don't have to pay anymore? Now they don't have to pay anymore. In fact, for those who are paying fair share fees, they've already let the state know and the unions know they don't want to have anything to do with it. Those people, starting next month, 
immediately stop getting the dues taken out of their paychecks. Now, if you're a union member and you go, wait a minute, I'm doing the math here. I don't think my union is working for me. I don't think it's worth me paying a thousand or two thousand dollars a year to the union because I'm not getting that back in my benefits and I want to save some money. You actually have to wait. You can't make an immediate decision to pull out of the union. Almost all of them have agreements that say uh, you are going to have, uh, you know, you're going to be with us. And if you do want to opt out of the union, you have got to apply or let us know or warn us or whatever. And it's usually about a year long period that you're going to do it. The so unions are going to they're going to broke. They're going to disappear. <laughs> they're but, go- but the argument from the Supreme Court was or the decision from the Supreme Court was these public employee unions have become de facto political organizations. So you can't force anyone to give money to a political organization that they don't agree with. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of reasons why people wouldn't want to pay their fair share but or, or pay these fair share fees. But you can't – I mean, you can't force someone to, to donate to an organization they don't want to donate to. You can say that, but I, I personally believe that unions have way less political power than maybe they've ever had. Public employee unions or private unions? Because All you unions, belong to a yeah. private union. You and I belong to private unions. Right. So, But then again, if we didn't belong to the union, we wouldn't work here. That's exactly right. Because yeah. we, the company has an agreement with the union to keep yeah. this as a union Can you, job. Now, what are they going to have? Are the unions going to have to raise prices on, I mean, their, their dues on all these other ones to make up for the? I mean, they're losing 27% right off the bat. Right off the bat. Right off the and bat. And if you figure that there's a there's still a percentage that are paying dues and are members of the union who don't necessarily want to be. So you've got another percentage that a year from now, when this, uh, when you know everybody's allowed to opt out, and that that starts hitting the fan, they're going to lose another percentage from that as well. I don't know. I don't know. Even and if they raise prices on those union members who do choose to stay in, then they're all going to say, "Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute!" Now I'm paying for everyone else's negotiation. I'd rather go about this my own way, or trust some, you know some pared-down union that doesn't get involved with the political issues and just concentrates on whether or not I get my three weeks of vacation and three months off and, you know, that sort of thing. So I don't know. So are all those 27% going to have to go in and uh, negotiate their own um, deal now? See, I don't know. That's a good question. It could be one of those where it's a it the state pushes it back to the district and says, District by district, you get to choose what your teachers are paid or minimum salaries or whatever, uh, with, whereas the state is not going to have a say in how much those well, basics are. I'll tell you, as a uh, liberal myself and uh, you know a progressive, this is a really bad era to be a progressive, a liberal, a Democrat in right now. I mean, it, what are you talking it, about? You guys have one big enemy now. Yeah. You guys can all galvanize against one oh, guy. Oh, it's galvanized <laughs> and powerless. That's the, <laughs> that's the problem. That is the problem. But every ruling that the Supreme Court's making, everything that's going through Congress, everything, every little executive fiat that uh, Donald Trump issues, everything is not in the traditional position of what the Democrats or what the liberals or what the progressives would favor. But do you, on a day-to-day basis, feel like your life is different I well, I'm more than de- it was two years ago? I'm more depressed. Well, no, I know. <laughs> on a daily basis. Yes. But, I mean, job prospects, uh, benefit cuts, I mean, none of that stuff has come to fruition, no, has No, but... Th- you know that's not. I what, mean, I get it. I understand what the feeling we are of all it. about. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's the about, whole picture. 
You want to you hug know. people. And... <laughs> exactly. Yes. It's more of a socialism. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> nailed <Position>. it. <laughs> you nailed it. All right. Um, when we come back, you ever lived in the Bay Area? No, I have not. No. Okay. I lived in the Bay. I grew up in the Bay Area. Now, low income in the San Francisco Bay Area. Low income. $117,000 a year. Explain that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue with Rich Murata sitting in. They were feeling like gold. 500,000 souls. Slick Rick Gold. Roll phone. Hello, Cole. We stay fresh. So fresh. Every toe. Gold song. A faded voice. Team care. Play it. So we're feeling like gold. 500,000 souls. Slick Rick Gold. Roll phone. Hello, Cole. They were feeling like gold. So fresh. Every toe. Gary and Shannon. Hey, at uh, noon every day, we do what's happening. We look at some of the uh, trending stories that uh, are being shared on social media. We go through them, explain what's been going on around the world. We know that the uh, locally, the arrest of the mom's boyfriend in the context of the uh, the death of Anthony Avalos, the little 10-year-old boy from Lancaster, the mom's boyfriend was arrested. And I guess the sheriff's de- detectives that were interviewing him noticed that he had some sort of a knife wound in his own chest uh, when they were talking to him, so he had to be treated for that. He would be taken to the doctor. So we'll talk about that. Also, more about the House Judiciary Committee hearing today. Rod Rosenstein, Chris Ray there, the uh, Deputy Attorney General and the FBI Director, getting grilled right now. Uh, There was a report out this week from the Department of Housing and Urban Development that looked at uh, the median prices for homes in many different metropolitan areas around the United States. And uh, one of the highest is in the Bay Area. Median price for a single-family home in the San Francisco Bay Area is nine hundred and thirty five thousand dollars that's impossible nine thirty five so that's that's way worse than even here in southern california right by far by far because i think here in southern california is closer to seven uh if not below that but but that it's it's much higher than southern california yeah you know i have lived in the reno northern nevada area for a few years now and there's a lot of people from the bay area who are transplanting to over there because of the house prices, they're you can selling get their... two houses for what exactly? They're paying for. Yeah, um, I actually looked this morning on at the house that my parents that I grew up in that my parents oh, wow. bought in the sixties. They bought it for for thirteen thousand uh-huh. dollars, right? Their mortgage payment was seventy one dollars and change or something like that, and the, it's now worth seven hundred thousand dollars. Their house. <laughs> <laughs> Which and it's not. I mean, it's northern or North Bay, so it's up, you know, up in Petaluma, so it's out of uh, the the main Bay Area, but it's still commuting distance. That's only thirty, forty miles to downtown San Francisco. Well, the question would be then, in a case like this, uh, Gary, where they have uh, a median <laughs> median price of nine hundred thirty five k for a a house, is our wages? Uh, comparable. In other words, do they have a, like a really high wage scale in San Francisco? Are people making a ton more money well, than in other areas? Someone has to. So, so the answer I think is yes. Uh, I don't know the exact number for 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 how wages have increased in the Bay Area, but they have to, because if if a family, by the way, this is also from Department of Housing and Urban Development, a family earning one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars qualifies as low income in the San Francisco Bay Area for, what? for whatever financial help would be necessary in terms of mortgages or whatever. But 
$117,000 a year low income in the Bay Area. So, yeah, the answer's got to be it's yes, got, that the, wages are higher. Yeah, because that, that must not even be the average wage. No. It's, it, you've got thousands of, of very well-paid high-tech workers who live in and around San Francisco. Right. It's not just Silicon Valley. It's not just San Jose. It's, it's from San Jose, uh, from Morgan Hill and Gilroy and places like that, all the way up through San Francisco that now have these thousands and thousands of high-paid high-tech workers. We've done the story before about the uh, basically the teardown house in uh, downtown – San Jose that was a $2 million house or something like for a 960 square foot house that was so rot. I mean, literally wood rotting on the walls that it was a teardown. But for that property, you end up paying $2.3 million. Is this because there's really nowhere to build in San Francisco? I think for San Francisco proper, yes, but you can get farther out of town. There's plenty of places in there are San Jose and South Bay and East Bay that you can that you can yeah. build in. Now I, th- I think uh, I think gas is much higher in the San Francisco area than the than other places in uh, California. Well, again, downtown San Francisco, yeah, it's going to be much higher. But I mean, there are places I pay four dollars a gallon for gas. Where here? Yeah, that's stupid. $4 a gallon for gas. Remember when it was $2? When I moved here, in fact, I remember stopping at a gas station and remember it was $2.21 a gallon. And I thought, this world is coming to an end. $2.21 a gallon is a ridiculous amount of money to pay for, for a gallon of gasoline. Now it's at $4 and we go like this. Eh, you know, the thing. It's got- yeah, because when the prices went up on the gas... Um, I remember at first when they really started uh, skyrocketing, that's when it went led to the boom of everybody who's going to scale down on the kinds of cars that they bought. Right. And buy Everyone's going to buy a Prius. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's I think everybody's buying SUVs now and doesn't care anymore. Yeah. It's just, it's just what it is now. Because we can. I mean, they're much more efficient than they were even 20 years ago. But still, it's not a Prius. I don't I don't get I'm it. I'm not going to go uh, move to the Bay Area. Don't do it because you can't <laughs> afford it. I guarantee it. There was a, a burned-out house, literally a burned-out house uh, that was listed right near the uh, headquarters for Google and Apple. And they're going to probably get 10 offers, and all of them will be above the asking price because they can. And someone's going to have to move in. Mark Zuckerberg's got to have uh, somewhere to put all of his uh, cloned people. I don't know. He's making robots, I think. All right. Uh, speaking of rich people, next hour we're going to get into the story about farting unicorns and why <laughs> and why Elon, Elon Musk is fighting over farting unicorns. It's kind of stuff we do on this show. You've been sitting there. You've been doing Handel's show all week where yes. you talk about Supreme Court and immigration. And murder and immigration after murder, and murder after and murder. Supreme Court justices. And you've got a farting unicorn. So Great news talk. That's us. We'll do what's trending when we come back to Gary and Shannon. I'll start cooling out my hair. I'm gonna cover myself with the ashes of you, and nobody's gonna give a damn. Son of a bitch, give me a drink. One of the night, I'm stamping me. Son of a bitch, if I can't get clean, I'm gonna drink my life. Gary and Shannon, 
Hey, it's noon now, Thursday, June 28th. Rich Morata sitting in for Shannon today. And at noon every day, we get to do a couple of things. Well, noon today, we get to watch the baseball games. I think a bunch of them start early yeah. today. So Dodgers do, in fact. Dodgers yeah, a few minutes, right? Few minutes. Yeah. All right. And so uh, the, the soccer, have you been watching the World Cup at all? Yeah. You're not into it? I'll watch it on the weekends. I mean, I'll find one of the four games or six games or whatever is going on, and I'll find one that I'd, that I'd be interested in. So. I'm all in on it, man. I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Not this group stuff. I mean, when it gets to the round of 16 or when, when it gets to something that counts, that's when I'm probably more interested yeah. in it. But. So the group stuff is ending pretty much now, yeah. So it's going to start the, the knockout rounds will be starting in a couple of days. Uh, but it's fine. I mean, I, I've said this before. I'll watch any com- – competition of any kind any sporting competition i'll watch it did you know i used to uh, that i became a big soccer fan i mean well yeah only because i follow you on twitter and i see you up early on saturday and sunday mornings writing about bizarre teams i've never heard of yeah and you're so excited i am and like nobody else is you know i will i will tweet stuff out and get no response (laughs) because i love the liverpool soccer club right i mean i love the liverpool football club and i (laughs) like nobody else cares all right what else is going on Time for What's Happening. Well, this is the uh, the time where we go through and talk about the stories that are trending on social media. One of them right now is uh, Rod Rosenstein. Uh, Jim Jordan is also trending. All of this because right in front of the House Judiciary Committee today, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein and the Director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, Uh, have been pressed on the willingness of the Department of Justice in general to hand over documents to investigators, congressional investigators, as part of their investigations into the circumstances around the 2016 election. Now, Christopher Wray and Rod Rosenstein both say, wait, hold on a second, guys. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of documents that we have to go through to figure out which ones we need to turn over. And Jim Jordan, among others, Trey Gowdy's another one, has said, uh, you're you're wasting our time and you're stalling and no one likes this. We need to see the evidence. If you have evidence of wrongdoing by any member of the Trump campaign, present it to the damn grand jury. If you have evidence that this president acted inappropriately, present it to the American people. Uh, There's an old saying that justice delayed is justice denied. I think right now all of us are being denied. Whatever you got, finish it the hell up because this country is being torn apart. I, I don't know about it's being torn apart, but I but I do understand the importance of getting information out there if it's there. You know, I think this is the first time that really the heads of traditional institutions in the United States that have been so respected down through the uh, centuries, basically are so, one, disrespected, held in ill repute, where the leaders are called corrupt and um, practically accused of being traitorous to, you know, to the country. And what does a guy like Rod Rosenstein or Ray, what do they, or, you know, of course, Comey before that? I mean, they never, they couldn't have conceived that in positions that they have been fairly sacrosanct in the past, right. that they'd be in this position now of being so reviled by a big segment of the country. Well, and I don't know where, where they go from here. I mean, they're the only – if we have a giant uh, degradation of faith when it comes to the FBI or the Department of Justice in general – 
where do we go from there? Because then you don't have that giant law enforcement presence that we've all relied upon for so long for protection and investigation, et cetera. I don't know. I mean, it's... It, it's Look at Comey, and it'll probably happen with Rosenstein or, or Ray in the future. You write a book. You go out on a book tour. What we, happens? We interviewed You're him. ridiculed. You're reviled. Yeah. You're he, took that, he took that thing international. Did you know that? James Comey, international no. book tour. He didn't just do our show. He did uh, BBC Two and Three and Four. Uh, anyway, so we'll, we'll, about 1230, we'll get into more of this when we jump into Swamp Watch. Uh, one of the trending stories locally yesterday was this uh, this douche who climbed up on top of the uh, the freeway sign on the 110. You saw this yesterday, snarled traffic during the commute yesterday. He's an aspiring rapper who was staging a publicity stunt. He needed st- street cred. Yeah, because his own uh, his own manager said, you ain't popping unless you got haters. So I, I'm, I'm upset that every story I've seen about this guy actually put his name in there. So so they're doing exactly what he wanted them to do. Uh, the CHP, I would assume, is probably none too happy about that. Would you say, here we go, would you say... That that phrase holds true for talk show hosts. Absolutely. You ain't popping unless you got haters. <laughs> right. Absolutely. <laughs> Rappers and talk show hosts. And that's probably the only two. Uh, we were talking about World Cup here just a second ago. And Senegal got bumped out today. After for First of all, they lost to Colombia. Uh, and they they were tied then... With who was it they were tied with? Senegal was tied with Japan. Japan, that's what it was. Yeah. So then they have to go through a series of tiebreakers in the World Cup. First of which would be goal differential. Goal differential, and they were tied on that. They're tied on that. Then they went to their head-to-head matchup, right? Which was a draw. They so tied, they tied on that. They tied on that. So the next tiebreaker is how many handsome guys are on each team. They tied <laughs> in that one. Almost. And then finally, they do. Something silly I've never heard of before. Yeah. And fair, they call it fair play? Fair play. Whoever behaved better during the course of the three <laughs> games, it grew play. And by behaving better, in other words, who got fewer yellow cards? You know, you get a yellow card like when you foul, right? Right. Uh, uh, and and <laughs> so it was like Senegal had six yellow cards and Japan had four yellow cards. So on the basis of that. Japan is advancing into the knockout stage, into the round of 16, and Senegal goes home oh, That's amazing. on yellow cards. You're very excited about World Cup. Oh, yeah. I'm not yet. I will be, I suppose, at some point, but I'm not yet. Um, could you imagine the NFL doing that? Where It's rare, but every once in a while <laughs> you, the most you get a tie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I don't think I, – I hate ties in football. I, I don't like them. I think they, they should just keep playing. Yet, like they do in hockey. I mean, you just keep throwing overtime after overtime after overtime, and someone is eventually going to win. I think that's fine. Baseball, extra innings of baseball, same exact thing. Could you imagine football? They end, uh, they end their overtime still tied and then just do – how many penalty flags each team got? <laughs> Fair play. Come on. Stupid. Uh, Ed Sheeran is being sued now for a $100 million for ripping off Mar- Marvin Gaye. Oh, did he? Well, it, it's Marvin Gaye. I mean... 
Well, now that's okay, Marvin. That's Marvin, yeah. right? Let's get it on. Yeah. Sexiest song ever right here. Yeah. Right? I feel sexy. All right. Now, here's Ed Sheeran, and the song they're talking about is called Thinking Out Loud. When your legs don't work like they used to before And I can't sweep you off of your feet Okay, do you think that sounds like it? And if you feel like I feel, baby Then come on, oh, come on Will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? I don't know. I think uh, it's got the same melody. I think the right. Ed Sheeran that's, but that's the only. Like it. yeah. It's got the same melody, but that's the only uh, similarity, yeah. really. Yeah, I think. I mean, no one's ever going to get the two mixed up. So, Nick, you say the chorus is the yeah. Part if you go to the Ed Sheeran chorus, I A little more, Maybe, little more but... on that. I don't know. I mean, it's one of those. This one is not as close as uh, we've heard some of those other yeah, lawsuits. There are worse, definitely. Yeah. Um, by the way, Ed Sheeran in concert, fantastic. Really, you got to see him. In, as, if, as a guitar player, you got to see him. In the dude, the dude draws the women. I saw him. At, I, I know. I was there. Uh, I was. <laughs> I was at Staples Center. He filled the place. Only him. Him and a guitar. It's the only people on stage. That's it. Him and a guitar and about wow. 24 bottles of water. But that's it. It was a great, great And it was show. a good show, huh? Excellent show. Uh, and then finally, Halo Top is being sued here in California. Company, uh, uh, the ice cream company is being sued for $5 million by a couple of people in California for dramatically underfilling its pints. Bastards! <laughs> and... They charge you six ninety nine for a pint. It's not. I mean, this is like Ben and Jerry's world of uh, of ice cream. The brand relies on being low calorie per pint. They say generally between two hundred eighty three and sixty, but each pint contains a different amount of the treat, according to this complaint. So they're not adjusting the ingredients in the ice cream. They're just adjusting the ice cream. Bastards. Got to have as much ice cream as you can get. We uh, I just saw this story. Uh, according to a sheriff in Annapolis, Maryland, and uh, TV station WTTG, there may have been a shooting in a newsroom. Don't know if it was a TV newsroom, newspaper newsroom, radio newsroom, whatever, but that there were f- multiple fatalities. So when we come back, we'll give you an update on that story. Gary and Shannon will continue. Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon. Women. Shannon, which Murata sitting in for Shannon today. Reminder that Brian Suits, host of Dark Secret Place, is going to be in for John and Ken starting at 2 o'clock today. We've been following this uh, story. just came up not too long ago out of Annapolis, Maryland. It, according to uh, police, at least six people have been injured in a shooting at the Capitol Gazette, which is a newspaper, a Capitol Gazette building there in Annapolis, Maryland. 
They do say that one suspect is in custody. Uh, according to a couple of other places, they're reporting it as an active shooter, but it does not appear to be an active shooter in that there's somebody walking around uh, shooting people. The sheriff had told Fox News that uh, there are multiple fatalities. Uh, we don't have a number yet. Multiple people reported shot at the Capitol Gazette, according to a couple of different TV stations in the area uh, and uh, TV networks. And they've also got some suspicious packages that they are dealing with as well. That's fantastic. SWAT officers are going to do a room-by-room search. And it's hard to tell exactly which uh, building it is that um, that they're looking at. I mean, I'm not familiar with Annapolis, Maryland, and they said that there was. it's near a mall, um, but they've been showing different helicopter shots have been showing a mall. Now, they've concentrated now on what looks like about a four-story building that is uh, just a sort of a nondescript office building, similar to what we're in now. I mean, it's not a very large footprint, uh, but it's about four stories, uh, so it's got probably dozens of rooms in it that they're going to go through and search. Uh, The Capital Gazette newspaper is owned by the Baltimore Sun. Um. The paper said that police were at the Baltimore Sun building as well. I don't know if that's more of a precaution or if there was uh, and if something that happened there also. But again, this is a uh, this is a shooting that's been reported at the Capital Gazette newspaper offices in Annapolis, Maryland. And the sheriff said that it's multiple fatalities, but uh, it's been hard to pin down exactly because the story is not uh clear yet and we're getting very few or very little information from the scene even though it's next to washington dc so we're gonna have to figure out exactly what's going on we do have a a reporter stephanie ramos actually was at the capitol we were going to talk to stephanie um about the hearing at the uh, house judiciary committee today but she has been retasked and is going to go head out to uh, annapolis maryland to try to get an update on what this story is and see if we can find some information The sheriff in Annapolis does say that whatever suspect there was has been apprehended and that there is no more active shooter is the belief. But these helicopter shots, I said that they were concentrating on a uh, a mall earlier. It's hard to see any real activity going on. It looks like they're leading a few people, maybe a dozen people or so, out of the front doors of the building. Yeah, but they've got to go room by room yeah. in a situation like this and, and break they, into each room thinking that there might be somebody in there. And, and the people that are being let out are the ones they've got their hands up, et cetera, and I assume have probably been searched or will be searched by officers. Yeah, see, you can see there the, those people have their arms up and are being directed out through the parking lot by these different uh, different police officers so that they can be searched to make sure that they are not anybody that would be considered a threat. The Anne Arundel County Police are the ones leading this investigation into the shooting. So they're going through, they are evacuating this building, which is believed to be the Capitol Gazette building. Whether the newspaper has the entire building or it's just a portion of it. But according to the sheriff, there were multiple fatalities, maybe isolated to the newsroom of this newspaper. Possibly. Well, you know, and and immediately I'm sure people are going to want to speculate as to what happened. But you really can't, you know, because you don't know if it's a disgruntled employee you don't know if it's, uh, you know, somebody who's got a, a, a grudge against the media. Uh, you just don't know, you know, so you're just going to have to wait and you can't assume anything. Yeah, uh, the I'll find out more about this, uh, this building itself and see if we get an idea of how big this is. But you're going to have dozens of SWAT officers going through, like you said, room to room. 
making sure that there's no other threat, there's nobody else hiding out. That, or, like you said, the suspicious packages as well. If they've reported suspicious packages, this is going to add even, you know, it's going to double or triple the time that it takes to clear this building because they have to make sure that those are not a threat either. Again, this is a, a shooting, it appears, in Annapolis, Maryland. The sheriff says there are multiple fatalities in this shooting at a building that houses the Capital Gazette newspaper and that those fatalities may be isolated to the newsroom, but uh, we'll find out hopefully in the next few minutes or so. They, whatever they have a news conference coming out of uh, Maryland, we'll bring it to you live. All right, Gary and Shannon will continue. Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon today. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Good or bad, I'm not sure the uh, way to put this, but usually in Swamp Watch, we talk about what's going on in the nation's capital. Not too far away from that is Annapolis, Maryland, where we are uh, watching police converge on a building that is uh, apparently the site of a uh, multiple shooting. The sheriff in Ann Arundel County in Maryland says that there are multiple fatalities in a newsroom for this newspaper, the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland. But we haven't gotten uh, an actual news conference or any uh, other official word uh, outside of the sheriff speaking to, I believe it was Fox News. They also said that the suspect in the shooting was apprehended after this deadly shooting, but we don't have a whole lot of information about it. There was an intern we were listening to this coverage during the break there. There was an intern who was apparently in this uh, in the building when the shooting was happening and was able to tweet a, a help message saying that there was an active shooter in their building and that they needed help. And at that time, I guess there had already been 911 calls and uh, police were still were already on the way. There are dozens of police officers, uh, officers that have surrounded this building. Again, the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis, Maryland. And just based on the way they're moving around, this situation is over. But they're still evacuating the building. They're still escorting people out of the building and then have to go through and search room by room to see if there's anybody still in there. But can you imagine how scary a situation that's got to be for, like, that teenager, right? He's he's to the point, basically, where he's uh, isolated to the point where he's got to tweet out, somebody please help us, there's a shooter in Yeah, and you can't, you're, not, you're afraid to call. Whether, you know, maybe he was afraid he was hiding and didn't want to, you know, say anything out loud. So he tweeted to help. And uh, it's uh, the Ann Arundel County Police, I think, is the agency. They had tweeted that there was an active shooter situation and that they had evacuated the building, although it looks like they're just getting to the uh, they're just getting some of the last few people out of this building. The parking lot's full. Now it's full of police cars. Uh, There's at least one big SWAT tactical vehicle that's in there as well. So uh, we're going to keep an eye on this and see if there's anything that comes out of it. So tough, though, because it's so sketchy. You'd say multiple fatalities. Well, what does that mean? Does well, that mean two? Does it mean 20? Like we saw in you know in both the school shootings in Texas and Florida in the last six months, we it started out as multiple fatalities, and we were hoping that it you know wouldn't rise above two or three, uh, and it got much higher than that. So uh, hopefully... According to some of the tweets I was reading from people in the area, they were reporting four victims, but they didn't say if those were just gunshot wounds or if those were fatalities. So the bomb squad is on the way, according to the fire department, because there were some suspicious packages that were also found in that area. 
So, uh, again, this is a shooting, it looks like, in Annapolis, Maryland, the Capital Gazette newspaper building uh, in Annapolis, and police and fire, and now the ATF and the bomb squads are all in the area or responding to this area to try to figure out what happened. All right. Uh, Swamp Watch, we talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., and we spent a good chunk of the first hour talking about uh, the Supreme Court and what it's going to look like over the next few months after Anthony Kennedy retires next month and President Trump nominates whoever he wants to nominate to become the next Supreme Court justice. Uh, the big argument, I think, is the the fighting, and I don't think it's going to get any worse than words, but the fighting between both sides in the Senate about what they can do to delay the vote. You mentioned this before, and I thought this was a, a good point. Mitch McConnell said when Merrick Garland was nominated by President Obama, he didn't want to allow it. Uh, he didn't want to allow the nomination to make its way to the Senate for confirmation because he didn't think a lame duck president should be afforded the opportunity to to appoint uh, to nominate a Supreme Court justice. It was in the last year of Obama's uh, right. term. And, uh, and but there was more time available, a lot more time available for Merrick Garland's uh, nomination for it to be discussed, et cetera, than there is for the you know, for this one. Right. Now, the the issue here, because I think Dick Durbin is one of the voices that has come out and said, hey, to use Mitch McConnell's logic, we shouldn't allow President Trump to nominate somebody before the elections in November, which it's not using Mitch McConnell's logic. Well, it's different because Mitch McConnell uh, was talking and this is what he's pointing out. And McConnell has said, well, this isn't a presidential election. And he also had not only a presidential election, but he had the additional validation in his mind and perception that it was a lame duck president making that making that. Now, you know, the Democrats are going to holler and but they're going to use the phrase election year. Right. You know, and, and you know, it is different. It It is a different uh, scenario. Now, it might be valid from their point of view. Uh, the Democratic, you know, point of view, but they they uh, they are trying to equate it, and uh, the Republicans and McConnell will completely differentiate it. Can't they make an argument though that every year is an election year to a degree? Well, they're I mean, talking not, about every two years. Yeah. I know, but it, but every it's November we go to the polls. It's you know the, it doesn't make a lot of sense that they would use that. Um, but anyway, you know, personally, they, I don't think McConnell should have ever done it with Merrick Garland in the first in the first place. It but didn't now, make sense. And, uh, and now and probably this shouldn't either. This shouldn't what? Uh, you know, be be a situation where you don't have a guy who is nominated but not get voted on. Oh, I because, see. you know, because it's an election year. Yeah. You know, th- you know, our Constitution says the president nominates and then the Senate advise, you know, there's advising consent. Right. right. The Senate is going to consider it. They're going to interview the uh, nominee and they're going to vote on it. And that's it. It doesn't say uh, turn it into a political football. It doesn't say berate the man or the woman who wants to become the Supreme Court justice or has been nominated to be the Supreme Court justice. It says uh, it says hold your uh, hold your own tea. I think it does. And it's going to be heated. Listen, if they hold confirmation hearings, it's going to be rough. (laughs) What do you? Well, you know they're going to hold confirmation hearings. It's going to be a circus. Whatever, whoever it is. I mean, it could be. It could be the nicest. It could be uh, the teddy bear justice from the center of politics, and it's going to be rough. It's going to be a ridiculous uh, amount of political grandstanding yeah. in this and, and I saw Blumenthal, a Democrat, interviewed this morning, and he was saying all we need is one Republican to come over to our to come over to our side, hey, which is already assuming then that all Republicans are going to vote one way and all Democrats right. are going to vote, uh, you know, the other way. And you go, all we need is one. So. 
Who are the usual suspects in this case? Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake. The Corker. Bob Corker. Um, Lisa Murkowski. Yep. Susan Collins. And Susan Collins. That four. That's that's your foursome right there. And I just can't imagine the incredible pressure that those four are going to be on from their own colleagues on their side yeah. of the aisle and from President Trump in this not to stray. And if John McCain is healthy enough to see what he has to say he as would well. Be, I, he would be a wild card in this, wouldn't he? I would think so. He certainly I'm, turned out to be a wild card in the health care. Huh. All right. If he's well enough, we'll continue with Swamp Watch in just a second and talk more about the upcoming meeting President Trump has with uh, with Vladimir Putin and this abolish ICE movement that uh, has been gaining a little bit of support in Congress, especially after a, uh, a primary this week. We'll talk about that. We're also concentrating on this story out of uh, Annapolis, Maryland. Looks like there's been a shooting at the Capitol Gazette newspaper building. The sheriff had reported multiple fatalities. Uh, another report said from WBAL BAL in Baltimore that at least six people were injured, but uh, no report of fatalities in that report. There's uh, some critical injuries, they said. A couple of state helicopters have been, state police helicopters had been called to the scene and triage had been set up. But at this point, I haven't seen any medical assistance given to anyone. There's been no stretchers. There's no ambulances that we can see on scene, anything like that. So uh, we'll keep an update. Again, this is in Annapolis, Maryland, the Capital Gazette newspaper building. Gary and Shannon will continue. Rich Murata sitting in. in for uh, Shannon today. Hey, would you mind if I'd, lo- I'd love to uh, just promote the fact that uh, I'll be joining Tim Conway tomorrow night at uh, 7 p.m. along with my former partner, the great uh, Hall of Fame uh, broadcaster of the L.A. Kings, um, Bob Miller. Oh, really? Yeah, so we're going to uh, get in there and tell some uh, L.A. Kings and from broadcast stories <laughs> and our times together. And then there are some great. funny ones, I have to admit. That is awesome. Yeah. That will be a fun time. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, right here on uh, on the Conway Show. Uh, we are following breaking news out of Annapolis, Maryland, but unfortunately we don't have a whole lot of information. This appears to be uh, a shooting situation where somebody went into the Capital Gazette newspaper building in Annapolis, Maryland, which is in Anne Arundel County there. The sheriff of Anne Arundel County says that there were multiple fatalities, although other reports say six people injured, four of them critical and at least one person apparently taken away by helicopter to uh, an emergency facility. There were also suspicious packages that have been reported at this building in Annapolis, Maryland. So SWAT officers, uh, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, a bomb squad from from local agencies, they've all been brought in to help go through this building room by room. It It's a, about a four-story building, several tens of thousands of square feet, it looks like. So it's going to be some time before they can go through all of the the, uh, the rooms. But uh, not too long ago, they were still escorting people out of the building. And it appears like uh, they're going room to room and they're stumbling upon groups of people because uh, every five or ten minutes or so, you'll see another 10, 20 people come out with their arms up 
being escorted out by police and then searched uh, by different agencies. So, And still another uh, a person, a worker in the building, said that he was in there and, they, and the shooter came in and shot a lot of people, and he said that some of them are dead. Yeah. So this is all over the place. We've got reports with just people injured, reports with multiple fatalities. Some of them are dead. And so we have no way of actually giving an, an actual or specific amount of people that have that may have died from this. Yeah, again, this is the Capitol Gazette newspaper building in Annapolis, Maryland. One of the reporters, I guess, for the newspaper has said that there was one single shooter shot multiple people at the office, some of whom are dead, and that they the gunman shot through a glass office door. So it, it's unclear if he, it, that was just part of it or that's how he did his shooting, was standing outside the door, shooting through the glass door, or if he then went into the newsroom. That was where the original report was, that it was a newsroom that had been shot up. Um, the governor has made a statement, the governor of Maryland, saying that he's praying for those people on scene. Uh, but again, we're waiting for some sort of a news conference. Uh, we also have, we know of reporters who are headed out to the scene. We're trying to get some information from them and an update from uh, from Annapolis, Maryland. So we'll keep an eye on that as it uh as it develops. And we got no motive. No motive. We have no no clue of whether no. it's a disgruntled employee or if it was a deal like when they shot up the magazine in uh, France, you know, where you have a grudge against uh, uh, that particular magazine or articles, or in this case, uh, maybe somebody has a grudge against the press. We don't know. So yeah. we can't assume anything at this point. All right. So back to uh, Swamp Watch, what's going on in Washington, D.C. We found out the White House did officially announce today that uh, President Trump will sit down with Russian President Vladimir Putin coming up in Helsinki uh, July 16th, so a couple of uh, couple of weeks away. It was a what they described as a terse, synchronized statement between the two presidents uh, that they will discuss bilateral issues and international relations. So we have, at this point, no idea what they're yeah. going to be talking as about. As terse as that was, I'm predicting that the meeting between Putin and Trump will go well, and it'll go better than his meeting with the G7 leaders that he had up in Canada, uh, which was, now that was terse. That terse was, and tense. That was that, less than warm <laughs> is one way to put it. Yeah. Um, he did say, uh, John Bolton, by the way, has talked about this. He's actually been in Moscow for the last couple of days dealing with Russian officials to try to lay the groundwork for this summit. Uh, the president did say yesterday that he will talk about Syria, Ukraine, and many other subjects. I think the Syria issue is going to be the touchiest because it's clear that Syria is where we are fighting or we are as close to fighting a proxy war with Russia as we've mm. been in a very long time. Right. And I think that's going to be probably the, in terms of the important issues, that's going to be the most important issue. Yeah, but but one that's left out, according to Bolton's statement, election meddling. Yeah. And, well, and there are people who feel that Russia is trying to meddle in this year's election. Of course they are. Yes. So I, I think that's the thing. Is so that, how does that not become a topic of conversation? Well, yeah. what, is, what do you say? I mean... Did, are you, Vlad? <laughs> no. No. Oh, oh okay. see, I asked him. Let's get lunch. <laughs> uh, one of the other stories out of D.C., this blows my mind, is that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's victory Tuesday against Joe Crowley, the congressman from New York, is generating new support for, hold your pants here, the hashtag abolish ICE 
a movement that aims to dissolve U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez is, I think she's 28 years old, a Democratic Socialist of Puerto Rican descent, made the demand to end immigrant detention and deportation, a rallying cry in her campaign. She benefited from incredible headlines just the two weeks before the primary that she was in. Well, I, I don't know really what her background is politically, but I do know that I saw a picture of her on social media showing her a year ago bartender. Yeah. Well, here's the How thing. do you go from being a bartender to a congressman to defeating uh, uh, an s- almost undefeatable <laughs> For one thing, one of, the, but one of the problems the Democratic Party has is it, as much as it claims to be this progressive, new-age-style party – You've got people like Nancy Pelosi and Dick Durbin and Chuck Schumer. I mean, yeah. the epitome of old, decrepit yes. people leading the party. Well, and so I, th- I think being 28 and attractive and nice and, you know, progressive thinker, that's going to be good for her. I think you're absolutely right. And I think uh, a lot of the uh, Democratic base of, of the progressives are looking for some new leadership. Yeah. They would like to see some new leadership come in with some fresh ideas and just just new people and to invigorate the, the masses. You know, when Barack Obama came in and invigorated the masses, whether you like him as a a president or not, he was new. He was new face. He said some new things, and he excited people. There's no one right out there right now who has that kind of, you know, a standing as far as, you know, emerging, you know, the the savior to rise from the street to, uh, to emerge for the Democratic Party. But it needs it. You know, it doesn't need more of Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) <laughs> it really doesn't. No. I mean, it doesn't need more of Hillary Clinton. It needs some new faces, some new voices, some new ideas. And maybe this is it. Although I think the abolish ICE thing is a non-starter. Yeah. She's going to run into some severe well, that's opposition. A, that's a new idea. That's true. <laughs> that's, that's a new idea. But you do you do need some fresh ideas and at least get some. And you know what you do, do need? You need an idea. You need a message. You know, it's not going to be enough to say we're not Trump. Right. All right, we'll come back. We're going to be uh, continuing this, uh, updating you on what's going on in Annapolis, Maryland. At least six people injured is the latest toll, but the sheriff says that there are multiple fatalities. We'll talk about this, uh, the shooting in Maryland when we come back to the Gary and Shannon Show. Gary and Shannon, it is uh, Thursday, June 28th. The uh, story that's uh, dominated in the last hour or so is the story of a shooting in Annapolis, Maryland, at the Capital Gazette newspaper. It's just on the Capital Gazette website, and all they have is a story from uh, reporter Kevin Rector about a shooting at the Capital Gazette building uh, owned by the Baltimore Sun. Uh, Anne Arundel County Police confirmed there was an active shooter at this building, 888 Bestgate Road, where the newspaper's offices are located. Uh, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms has confirmed it was responding also because there is a concern for uh, explosive devices that may have been found. They're, all they're calling them is suspicious devices right right now, but that they said that there may be, uh, they may be explosive devices. A crime reporter who was at the, uh, at the building at the time of the shooting, said multiple people had been shot. Police haven't been responding to requests for much more information. 
But uh, Phil Davis, this crime reporter for the Gazette, wrote on Twitter, gunmen shot through the glass door to the office and opened fire on multiple employees, can't say much more and don't want to declare anyone dead, but it's bad. And then he says, there is nothing more terrifying than hearing multiple people get shot while you're under your desk and then hear the gunman reload. Police said that the building was evacuated. Officers are continuing to search it. We've seen in uh, several instances a couple different groups of people that had been escorted out of the building and have been talking about what's been going on. Um, and what we what we don't know is if all that shooting took place in one room where uh, this reporter was or if it was in multiple rooms or multiple floors. But the police are going floor by floor and going room by room to try to find out. Blake, can you see if you can pull this up on Fox right now? They do have one of the local police officials uh, giving some sort of an update on what's been going on. Um, He's talking into his phone at the same time he's trying to talk into uh, the microphones and get everybody updated on what's going on. But he did say we don't have quick briefing Here it is. on the extent of the injuries and how many injuries. At this point, one of the main messages that we want to get out to the public is, one, avoid the area. Okay, we have a lot of police officers here from our jurisdiction. We're very thankful for other jurisdictions, Annapolis City Police Department, Maryland State Police, Howard County, federal agencies. Everyone has came here to make sure that we get as many people safe as quickly as possible. So we're asking family and friends to uh, meet at the Annapolis Mall, if you need to meet up with a friend or a loved one that was inside that building, our reunification center has been set up inside the Lord and Taylor inside Annapolis Mall. So we're asking everyone to respond to Lord and Taylor. We have officers there that will assist you with meeting up with friends and family. So that's the biggest message we want to put out right now. Uh, we're doing our very best to get the building secure, and uh, we should have information for you very shortly. And as soon as that building's secure, We'll be able to provide more information. We appreciate everybody's patience and uh, doing everything that we can to get everybody out safe. Thank you. Ryan. All right. That's uh, likely uh, an official there with Anne Arundel County Police uh, who has given that update. The The story now is basically that uh, before we could hear what he was saying, I was reading some of the teleprompter, not the teleprompter, but uh, reading the closed captioning. And he said, we're not dealing with hundreds of casualties, but we do have many is what he said. So there's still definitely a lot of work that they have to do in terms of making sure that the building itself is safe. The Here's a weird angle of this story. Rich, you said that we, I mean, obviously we don't know a motive yet. They do have a suspect in custody, they had said, but they don't have a motive for what this was. If it was a disgruntled employee, if this was a, a crime of opportunity, just somebody finding the wrong or right uh, office to take out their grievances or whatever, or if it may have been somebody who had a grievance against the press. Now, the NYPD has dispatched units to all major TV networks and station uh, properties in New York City as a result of this. Just out, They said it's out of an abundance of caution, that they have no reason to believe that, that uh, media are being targeted, but that they wanted to be careful and make sure. Got to be, yes, you do have to be careful. And, of course, even in this kind of a situation, copycat situations uh, sometimes emerge. So everybody's going to be I, – I think the media is going to, uh, you know, around the country probably will get extra security. Yeah, so this is a uh, – again, this shooting is in Annapolis, Maryland, in the building that houses the Capital Gazette newspaper the building itself has been evacuated according to the police and we're standing by for a much longer and uh, more formal update from 
uh, police in the area. They do have a staging area just following their Twitter feed. The NR, uh, I got to say it right, Anne Arundel County Police. They do have a staging area, so we know that they have public information officers that are out there. The media have gathered. They usually are pretty good about keeping the media updated uh, in terms of what's been going on on the scene. And when they do have a longer version of that news conference, we'll definitely bring it to you so we know what's going on. But this is the shooting at the Capital Gazette newspaper in Annapolis today. And the only thing we know about casualties is that there are some. There was one report that the sheriff reported multiple fatalities, but still that hasn't been backed up by any other reports. Uh, that was very early on, and we haven't seen anything. There and they're a- telling the public, stay away. Just yeah. stay away from the area. And I, and, and I don't think this is because they feel that there's any more danger of people being shot at this point. No. But they just don't want them getting in the way. Yeah, and the thing is you can easily get in the uh, police officer's way, and they don't want that. They ju- it's just better. There's, there, what's the, why would you go there? Now, that's the other thing. Is what, what are you going to expect to see other than more police and fire vehicles in one spot than you've ever seen in your life? I mean, I guess that's it. But there will be plenty that do. Yeah, that's true. They're going to be there for quite a while. So anyway, we'll keep an update. We'll try to keep you updated on what's going on. Again, the Capitol Gazette building in Annapolis, Maryland, the scene of a shooting. Still don't have any numbers about casualties, but we do know that there are casualties. Uh, and we'll come back and we're going to dip into uh, our conversation that we do every week with Mark Saltzman. But just so you know, if for some reason we have to dip out and get into the uh, news conference out of Annapolis, Maryland, we will do that to keep you updated. Gary and Shannon, Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon today. Just like Friday. Shannon. Rich Murata sitting in today. We are following the story out of Annapolis, Maryland. Multiple fatalities in a shooting at a newspaper building, the Capitol Gazette building in Annapolis, Maryland. Standing by for a news conference. When it comes, we will uh, we'll bring that to you possibly after the bottom of the hour. But uh, at this point, nothing new in the last few minutes. They said the a medical center nearby is treating two victims, uh, one victim at the University of Maryland Medical Center, those two others at Anne Arundel Medical Center. So uh, there's still people being uh, treated for this shooting. The suspect, they say, has been arrested. Uh, so there's no further threat, it appears, but they are going through the building making sure. Anyway, we'll, we'll bring you more details on that, more of what we know after the bottom of the hour. Hey, it, uh, it's time for Tech Talk. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. And every Thursday at about this time, we get to welcome in our friend, Mark Saltzman, tech columnist, tech guru, uh, writer for USA Today. You can find all of his stuff at usatoday.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Mark with a C, Mark C, Mark underscore Saltzman, right there on Twitter. Mark, how's it going? Ah, it's good, thank you. How are you guys doing? Super duper. Um, I love this new article about uh, saving money. Because I just did a commercial about saving money, saving money on gas and hotels and shopping with a couple of quick apps that you can download. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, yeah, it dropped on USA Today on the weekend, and it's been uh, doing quite well. So uh, as you as you hinted, it, it's a look at five, actually eight of my favorite apps, all of which can save you money in, in some way. So let's start off with shopping apps. So my favorite app for shopping at retail is Flip. 
if you haven't heard of this, it's F-L-I-double-P. It is an app that you, you know, these are all, by the way, all of these apps I'm going to talk about are free for both Apple uh, iPhone as well as Android devices. And what it does is, uh, first of all, it looks at the, your all the stores near you uh, by showing you sort of a digital version of all those circulars that you get every week, those those flyers in, in the mail. But it's a digital version that highlights all the best deals for you. So it's all in one app, whether it's on a phone or on a tablet. You can tap and hold for more information, tap quickly to clip it into a shopping list. And then, of course, it also lets you do things like um, use it for, as a coupon when you're at the store if it's supported. It also has a smart shopping list. So if you type in, for example, milk, eggs, or bread, it'll show you who has the best deals around you. So it's a smart shopping list. And then finally, it holds all your uh, loyalty cards. So you don't have to you know, bring a, a pocket full or purse full of plastic to your favorite uh, place. So whether you're shopping for groceries, whether it's home decor items, clothing or tech flip is a must-have app for free can i can i be really specific about the things that i want and the best prices for them so with the shopping list you can't type like a brand like like you know i don't know levi's jeans for example but you could type jeans and then it'll show you all those uh all those weekly ads that you would get usually by a paper but it'll show you digitally what matches that keyword um but you can do a search so that's that's for the shopping list but you can do a search across all the circulars uh, with a keyword that's very specific, like a brand. So in that way, yes, you can. What else are we looking at? What other apps? Yeah. So for online shopping, my favorite is Ebates, which sounds like rebates. And, and this is an app that, uh, as well as a web browser plugin, that you start at before you do your online shopping. And it's supported by thousands of stores, uh, including the big ones like Amazon and Walmart and so on, and even eBay. And the idea is that you start with, uh, eBay's first, then you do your online shopping, and then you get cash back for all of your purchases, and you get like a quarterly check or a drop in your PayPal account. So the, the percentage of cash back does vary on the retailer. It's typically 2 to 6%, but around the holidays, it's as high as 40% back. So you're shopping at the stores that you normally would anyways on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer, but you're getting cash back in the process. Uh, so basically what's happening is that the, you know, the Ebates is, is, is sending you in a way to that online store to make that purchase. Then they're getting some cash back from that retailer, and then they're just simply sharing it with you. That's the premise. And for signing up, you get 10 bucks on your first purchase as well. So those are the shopping-related apps to save you money. But in the article, I also look at uh, other things, like you're on a road trip this summer. Maybe you want to save on hotels or on gas. So I've got some suggestions there, too. And I love the idea of Mint.com. I've actually used Mint.com and the personal app that they allow or that they have. Uh, just, mm -hmm. If nothing else, you just get an idea of where your money's going. Yeah, so Mint is uh, from a company called Intuit. They're known for all their tax software and all that. Uh, but you, what you do is you link up your bank, your bank account info and your credit cards, and it keeps track of everything for you with colorful graphs and charts and uh, and list and you could set um, budget so it'll tell you if you're near or close to getting over your weekly budget it will flag any big purchases for you but it lets you monitor and measure how you spend and also what you save you can also look at your retirement funds and other investments and just at a glance again it's all color-coded 
and it just helps you manage your money in a really smart and intuitive way. I've been using it for years as well, and I worked with all the big banks and you know all the uh, credit card uh, issuers. So uh, a great one, yeah. Mint is is one of those ones that will help you save you money because it shows you what you're spending and what you're saving. Uh, and I love the idea of Libby. I've never used it, but Libby is one of those where if you're a big ebook person or an audiobook person, Libby is a way for you to check out books from your library. Right. And obviously for free, you're borrowing them in essence, but digitally. So yeah, Libby is from a company called Overdrive. And this is a free app for your phone or your tablet. So instead of buying books, and I don't want to just discourage people from, you know, I'm an author myself, but if you're short on cash and you really want to read some of these New York Times bestsellers or even a classic novel, you could borrow it for free from the library. And they are, of course, buying the books too. So kind of a win-win. Some but, and that's the, and yeah, you just kind of, you, you reserve it as if you would reserve a book at your library, but you don't have to schlep to and from the library, nor do you face any late fees. The day that that book expires, it just disappears from your device. So Libby, which is uh, like a girl's name, L-I-B-B-Y, is a great app to have for book lovers. Awesome. Mark, thank you so much again for uh, for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. You bet. Sure. Mark Saltzman there. And again, we'll throw the link up to uh, the list of these great apps that can help you save money. That was very cool. On our, web, on our website. Go to KFIAM640.com. Use the keyword Gary and Shannon, and you'll see the information there. He's also got his podcast that you can hear. On the iHeartRadio app as well, when you type in uh, Tech Talk, I'd like to I'd like to have the one yeah, that just tells you out. what's the most unbelievable deal on anything in the area where you live. You know, just, so where you could, could be, race down to it could this be a, store a, or this a uh, crock pot for four ninety nine. Yeah, right. And you're exactly. There. Yeah. Okay. That's the app I need. We <laughs> we'll have an update on uh, what's going on in Maryland. Uh, the shooting at the Capitol Gazette building in Annapolis, Maryland. Hopefully we'll get some uh, local law enforcement to talk in a few minutes. Uh, and we have some uh, some science stories we're going to dip into as well. Gary and Shannon will continue. Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon today. Yeah, we might be a candle in the wind. But let's pretend we're brown. Gary and Shannon. It's Thursday. It's June 28th. Rich Murata is sitting in today. Shannon is out. We've uh, been taken by surprise. I guess you could say that. Once again, another uh, shooting, it appears. This one in Annapolis, Maryland, at a newspaper building. This is the uh, <coughs> Capital Gazette newspaper building in, say it again, Annapolis? Annapolis? Annapolis. Maryland. Yes. Apparently, I've been getting, we've been getting inundated with calls that say I'm saying it wrong. Well, what are you saying? I'm saying Annapolis. Yeah, that's right. No, no. I'm saying Annapolis. You said. It doesn't matter. What? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Annapolis. There's a shooting yeah. in Maryland, okay? Um, and in this case, the sheriff had said that there were multiple fatalities. CBS News reported that there were four fatalities. And uh, a couple of other places have uh, have uh, re- repeated that number, that there were four fatalities at this uh, newspaper office building and more than a dozen people injured. The uh, uh, Have you ever heard of this uh, newspaper? It's a, just no. a small local newspaper. I think it's a small paper, but it is owned, I believe, by the Baltimore Sun. And the security around the Baltimore Sun newspaper offices was increased. Wow. And the NYPD also dispatched a bunch of their units to different media outlets throughout New York City. Just, they said, in an abundance of caution. It's not as if they had heard from anyone that this was... Uh, 
uh, prompted by someone's hate of the media or anything like that, but they're just doing it out of an abundance of caution. Um, there have been a bunch of different law enforcement officials, uh, government officials that have shown up to the scene at this newspaper office in Maryland, and we're expecting some sort of a news conference shortly. We understand the mayor, I'm sorry, the governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, has arrived at the scene, and he will be briefed by law enforcement, including uh, county police there. They did say one suspect has been taken into custody, and they do believe that he was, in fact, the sole shooter. But the officers did evacuate the building nonetheless. They're still working to confirm that it was clear of any potential threats. There were some suspicious packages that were said. Um, looks like we're going to go, uh, Blake, just so you know, looks like they're starting up. We have a, a police officer, looks like the uh, from the county police department that's there. And the governor of Maryland, John Hogan, is behind him. And we're going to get some more information about what's been going on. No, maybe not. Maybe there. Maybe TV. We'll try something. Uh, we have uh, a brief update for you guys, just to give some details. Uh, please bear with us. We can't answer a lot of questions. This is still a very active and ongoing, investig- ongoing investigation. Uh, we're still trying to make sure that everyone's safe, reunite people with their families. And then once the building is secure, we have a crime scene, obviously. So we anticipate this being a very long investigation. It will be a very detailed investigation by our detectives. Uh, so I'd like to introduce first uh, our county executive, Anne Arundel County Executive, Stephen R. Shu. Uh, to answer some questions, give you guys some updates. But, again, we're going to limit questions at this time just for investigative purposes because uh, we still have a lot of work to do. Thank you. Mr. Shue. Thank you, officer. I'm County Executive Steve Shue of Anne Arundel County. We've had a terrible shooting incident here this afternoon. There are several people uh, who have died from this incident, and several others are injured. Those who are injured... Uh, have been transported for medical care to Anne Arundel Medical Center and to Johns Hopkins Shock Trauma. Those fatalities are uh, so so sad, and, and uh, I don't know what to say other than our thoughts and prayers are with them and their families, and we take comfort knowing that they are in God's embrace. The shooter is in custody and being interrogated at this time. I want to commend the public safety professionals who were very quick to the scene here within about 60 seconds. And we've had a tremendous response, not only from Anne Arundel County Police and Fire, Annapolis City Police and Fire, but also State Police, Howard County, Prince George's, uh, several federal agencies, including FBI and ATF. I want to thank all of those agencies for their quick response and being our partners in this very unfortunate incident. I'd like to ask Governor Hogan to say a few words. Governor? Thank you, Steve. Um, you know, I just want to say, first of all, uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are with the victims and their families, and uh, I want to thank the, the uh, law enforcement professionals who responded. Our emergency response team was is, they did an incredible job. They're still doing the job right now, but the fact that they responded within 60 seconds, I want to I want to give uh, serious praise to uh, Anne Arundel County and the city of Annapolis. Uh, for for their response, and we were here with the state agencies to back them up. We have federal agencies. Uh, it's a tragic uh, situation. We can't. We don't have all the information yet, and we can't give all the information yet because it's an active crime scene and investigation. But uh, we uh, we have had uh, several fatalities and several people there in the hospital, and uh, we'll just leave it to the professionals to continue their ongoing investigation. Lieutenant, I know you said it's early, but can you talk about uh, the number of fatalities in any way? It's important, too, or other, can you tell us 
I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce our acting chief, uh, Bill Cramp. Uh, he'll answer some questions, but again, please, uh, it'll be very brief. You know, we want to make sure that the information we put out is accurate. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of people involved here, so we want to make sure that information is accurate. And uh, we don't want to say anything that will ruin the investigation. So the suspect is still being interviewed by detectives. But, again, uh, I'll introduce our acting chief, William Cramp. Good afternoon. As you can see, this is a very fluid scene. You can see that we have over 10-plus allied agencies assisting with Animal County Police. The investigation has just started. So, as Ryan has said, we're going to be quite a while determining what occurred, why it occurred, and how it occurred. But as the governor mentioned, we were here quickly. We came into the building very quickly. We received a call as an active shooter. We do have fatalities, and we do have serious injuries. We also have many, many uh, witnesses that are being interviewed, and we have a, um, an area over by Lord and Taylor that um, the witnesses can reunite with their families. We, have, we are asking them to contact their families so that they can come and um, assist them with getting home safely. As Ryan mentioned before, our Criminal Investigation Division has one person in custody. That person is at our Criminal Investigation Division down in Crownsville, and we will be um, speaking with that individual uh, quite frequently and, well, shortly, I should say, um, and get the information. The building is uh, secure from a tactical standpoint. That means that um, right now we believe that there are no other shooters in the building, but it is not it has not been cleared from an investigative standpoint. So uh, once the uh, QRT and the members of the SWAT team leave the building, the investigators will go in, and then we will start the process of putting the investigation together. Does the shooter appear to be known to police or to the Capitol Gazette employees? Anything we can tell us about yeah, the shooter? Right, right now, we can't confirm exactly where the shooting occurred throughout that building. Uh, the Capitol Gazette building is inside that building, along with many other businesses and doctor's offices. Do you have any numbers on casualties? Uh, not at this point. Not at this time. Did your officers interrupt the shooting? Where did you apprehend our, our officers were on the scene very, very quickly. I think it was around 60 seconds or, or a minute, minute and a half. Um, and, and they did engage the suspect, and that's when he was taken into custody. So it occurred very quickly. Just one second. That was, uh, again, just for everybody, that was our acting chief, William Cramp, K-R-A-M-P-H. And I'd like to introduce uh, the mayor of Annapolis City, the city of Annapolis, uh, Mayor Gavin Buckley. How are you Gavin doing, how you doing? Um, so uh, uh, the city uh, sends its uh, uh, love and thoughts for all the families that have been affected by this this horrible event. Uh, I want to commend our um, uh, first responders for, for getting onto the scene as quickly as they did. And, and, and if they were not there as quickly as they did, it could have been a lot worse. So I just have to say um, it was a great joint effort by everybody. This is what we trained for. A week ago, we practiced an active uh, shooter training uh, thing. We did not expect something like this to happen in our community, but we were ready, and I don't think we could have put any more resources if you look behind you at what's been done here. It's a tremendous response. How many people We can't confirm that yet, so I have to sort of leave that with the uh, 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 county on there, so I'll hand it back to you. You said, Scott, I didn't hear a question. We're just concerned. You can't give us a number how many people are killed 
Uh, no, at this point, while we're still, you know, reuniting people with, the, while we're still reuniting people with families, and we're interviewing this uh, this suspect, uh, we don't want to put that information out right now. You that that information will come out very shortly. Shooter very shortly. This person acted alone. There will only be up to one suspect. You're not looking for anyone else. Yeah, at, at this point, he's the only suspect. We have one suspect, and I'd like to introduce our state's attorney, the Anne County State's Attorney, Mr. Wes Adams. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my office is on scene to assist with uh, the fantastic response by our law enforcement officials. As everybody knows, this is an active investigation. Uh, we will work with, in conjunction with the detectives and the police officers who are handling the scene to ensure that we have everything collected cor correctly so we can then sift through and process the evidence as necessary. Unfortunately, that's the only comment that my office can make at this time, but we are on scene assisting with all other law enforcement agencies. You guys have any, motive, uh, any, any type of motive right now? Uh, the investigation is still active and ongoing, so my office in particular, prosecutors cannot comment in any way on what the nature of the evidence. What type of weapon was used? What type of weapon was used? Yeah, at this point, well, we can't identify the exact weapon that was used. Uh, we anticipate having another another briefing uh, very shortly to try to get that information out. So, at this point, with it being a very active investigation, uh, we need to reconnect with our detectives that are interviewing the suspect, make sure that we have that accurate information that we can give out to everybody. So, we anticipate all another right, that, update here. Uh, very in all honesty, that was just kind of a fluffy uh, news conference. They didn't give any specific information about the shooter, about the situation about anything it was just an opportunity for the uh, the politicians who are there to show up and uh show people that they react in a situation like that i mean there, there literally was zero information that came out of that that we didn't already all know. they said basically was there are several people dead several people injured but yeah. they couldn't identify a number no, and he didn't want to give a number you just heard there the lieutenant saying he doesn't want to give the number out but that they're going to hold another news conference shortly um, the, he said it's for investigative reasons that they don't want to do that. He also referred to the families that are being reunited with uh, with witnesses and other potential people who were not, uh, I guess they're actual people, but people who may have potentially been injured in some way. So um, we'll come back. We'll, uh, we'll wrap this up before we uh, step on out of here for today. Gary and Shannon will continue just a moment. Rich Murata sitting in for Shannon today, and that is Amy King. <laughs> Before we go, we'll tell everybody about what you're doing tomorrow night with Conway. Uh, but yeah, great. We've uh, Rich Morana has joined us. He's sitting in for uh, Shannon, who's out today. And uh, we've been having. Well, we started out having fun today. Yeah, but we never know. Yeah, <laughs> you just never know in this yeah. era. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of hours ago, we got word that there had been a shooting in uh, Maryland, and it turns out that there, according to CBS News, four people killed in a shooting at a local newspaper building in Maryland, the Capital Gazette newspaper which is a local paper that's owned by the Baltimore Sun. Interesting that CBS is saying four people, but the police will not confirm any kind of number. They just said several. Yeah, that was a weird, that was one of the weirder news conferences we just carried because the, uh, I got to get the pronunciation right. And Arundel County police chief who spoke, or the lieutenant who spoke, uh, gave zero information about numbers. Now, it doesn't change the impact of the shooting necessarily, but it does sort of put it into context that everybody can can deal with, as opposed to saying multiple fatalities or several fatalities and several victims. It'll it helps us kind of categorize in our head what we do with this story. 
and he wasn't he he wasn't going to tell anybody the numbers. It was just an opportunity for the mayor to get up and the governor to get up and to every for everyone to say, you know, we we're thoughts and prayers and stuff and we hope that the make sure that we accept the uh or acknowledge the great work of our first responders and that sort of thing. So it was very little information that came out of that. So that was a little bit weird. Um but, but they, they do have the guy in custody. They do have the guy in custody and they're saying that they don't believe that there's anybody else involved. They still did go through and evacuate the entire building. It's not just the newspaper that takes up this building. He's, uh, the lieutenant said there were several other businesses, including doctor's offices, I guess, in this building. So there were potentially hundreds of people inside. Now police, according to Fox News, the number is uh, at least five. So that goes from four reported by CBS to at least five now reported by Fox. Uh, Phil Davis is a reporter for the Capital Gazette, and he was tweeting today that he was in the building when the shooting happened. He said the gunman shot through the glass door to his office or to the office that he was in and opened fire on multiple employees. He said he hid under his desk and employees heard the gunman reload. He says, this is the tweet I'm going to read to you. There's nothing more terrifying than hearing multiple people get shot while you're under your desk and then hear the gunman reload. Wow. That is a chilling tweet. Hearing the gunman reload. There was another one from very early on in the situation where somebody in the building, an intern, we believe, uh, tweeted that there's an active shooter at 888 Bestgate, which is the address of the building. And this was uh, this would have been 1143 Eastern time. So within maybe five minutes of when the shooting originally started and when the first 911 calls came in and he wrote active shooter 888 Bestgate, please help us. Uh, I just, I don't understand that uh, he's in a place, obviously he feels he can't make a phone call, can't raise his voice. So maybe he's hiding and figures that Twitter's the best way to get help. Phil, that is the most terrifying position to be in a situation. You're totally helpless yeah. tweeting out for help or hearing uh, that thing, that tweet of hearing the gunman reload. Chilling. You, everybody's heard that. I mean, everybody knows what that yeah. sounds like, right. or at least, even if you don't know what that sounds like. The shooting stops, and you hear him fiddling with the, the the machinations of his gun, and that's what you assume is going on. And there's been no reports of him yelling anything yeah. or saying anything. Well, and we said, you know, they haven't said anything about a motive at this case. We don't know if this is a disgruntled employee, if this was a, a domestic thing where he was going and targeting one specific person but taking, out, uh, taking it out on the entire office. Or perhaps the scarier thought is maybe he had something against newspapers or media in general. Right. And the NYPD had put out a statement that said that they were, in an abundance of caution, sending units to different media outlets around New York City as just, just to be safe. Not that they had any information about that or anything. All right. Uh, on a good note, you and Bob Miller reuniting tomorrow night. Right. You know, uh, Bob Miller, the great Hall of Fame uh, hockey announcer for the Los Angeles Kings, who retired after this past season, after 47 years with the uh, Kings, is uh, going to guest, and I will be his partner uh, tomorrow night. <laughs> we were partners together, of course, on Kings broadcast. I, I had two different stints with the Kings um, as Bob's uh, partner with the regular radio and TV broadcast, and then later on uh, serving as the studio TV host uh, with Bob and uh, Nick Nixon as they were calling the games on uh, television, and I did that for four years. So uh, I've had a good connection with the Kings and a good connection with Bob, and we've had a lot of laughs and a lot of stories and a lot of fun, and we're going to visit with Tim Conway, who's a big hockey fan. 
Yeah. And uh, tomorrow night at yeah, 7 p.m. I, I think he's also a big Bob Miller and Rich Murata fan, too. Well, I know he's a big Bob Miller fan. <laughs> <laughs> All right, again, that's tomorrow night right here on Conway. You'll be back in the morning to uh, to anchor sports on the Handle Show. Yes, yeah. And, uh, and Brian Suits is coming in for uh, for John and Ken later on. We'll have updates, updates from Annapolis. and uh, How do you say it again? Updates. No, in... no, not that, the Annapolis. Is it Annapolis? Annapolis. And uh, who, Whoop, Whoopi Goldberg this morning on national TV told somebody to get out of her behind and her vagina. We'll answer who that person was What? when we come back. Has anybody been there? That's just gross. I, I'm just, I don't know. Racist. All right. Gary and Shannon, we'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody.